Hello there, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of the Attitude Podcast. It is, of course, the mixed emotions, the highs and the lows of Bad Blood 1997. I just want to take a quick moment to say thanks to all of our amazing backers over at patreon.com slash podcast. And just for myself, Adam and Billy, we just wanted to hope that all you lovely listeners are keeping safe, you're keeping yourself sane, and you're getting through all of what's going on at the moment. We have dropped a free episode from our Patreon back catalogue. It's a video episode nearly an hour in length of Betrayal, an entire playthrough where Adam and I get to grips with the Game Boy Streets of Rage WWF Classic from 2001. That's available now. If you find yourself with some hours to spare and a couple of dollars knocking around with all of this downtime we all find ourselves with, head over to patreon.com slash apodcast now to get yourself a whole bunch, over 100 hours of audio goodies and more video episodes as well. If you want to check out all 60 plus episodes of the Smackdown Crawl, all of the Bibliotech, a few free episodes of that are on this feed if you want to check it out. And of course, as well, there's always going to be more content coming. I'm really happy to announce that there's a new limited series where we review The Big Show called The The Big Show Show Show. And that is coming to both the Attitude Podcast and the Haichi Wrestling Patrons as a limited eight-part series. It'll be coming to your ears very shortly. But for now, let's get settled in and delve into some Bad Blood 1997. Welcome to the Attitude Era Podcast. Season 4 continues down the line towards the end, which ironically is also the beginning. Hello once again, it's me, your old pal Cowboy Kevin Mann, here today to talk some bad blood, hematological or otherwise, alongside my cohorts, comrades and colleagues. First to my right, the jittest man on the planet, Adam Bibolo. Hey, Kevin. How you doing? I'm fucking psyched, baby. Uh, look at you. Uh, it's, it's a big night here, and it's it's big <laughs> debut, yeah. and you, Adam, will be the Bella de Ball. <laughs> this, is, this is it now. Lights are on bright. This is it. We are back officially on the jid train, baby. Woo, like, we're back on the timeline with Journey into Darkness. Hang on. Let me check the gas tank on this train. Oh, turns out it's chemicals. Uh, Who would have thought that? Adam, have we reached peak cane for you now? Because this is a 12-month period that has seen, you know, uh, the public release of Journey into Darkness, Mayor Kane parts one and two on Patreon. Yeah. You know, we obviously had Kane returning in wrestling in 2019. Broken Skull Sessions Kane. We we had Mayor Kane, actual Mayor Kane. Yeah. 24-7 Rain Kane. Yeah. You also did an episode of How To Wrestling about Kane. Chicken Wings Kane. He had the contest recently. And just before this, Adam was telling me about how he wants to make a special (laughs) Journey Into Darkness final dossier a la Twin Peaks. Mm. What is it about this night that is so special for you? It's my boy. He's here. Kane is alive and he's here. Like, that's literally all it is. Like, that is the whole reason I'm excited for this show is simply because Kane will be here for the last five minutes. So you're saying that the Jid train's rolling down the line? Yes. Okay. Makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> and for the record, 
You had never seen Bad Blood before nope. tonight. No, nope, never seen Bad Blood. Never even seen the Hell in a Cell match before. Wow, really. so you just seen the segment, really? I've literally just seen the bit where Kane comes out. That's all I'd seen before this. Wow. And, like, how has the journey been for you in terms of the journey into darkness here? Because right at the start of the season, we were teasing Kane almost pretty much right after WrestleMania 13. Yeah, having watched all the Raws and seen the full journey that we've been on here, this lives up to my expectations. I think this is actually like one of the best builds and one of the best debuts for a character ever in wrestling. Oh man, we're going to get into it. It's going to be a good one. And to my left, unquestionably, the baddest man on the planet, Mr. Billy Keeble. Hello. Billy, have you got bad blood or I... bad bones? Uh, <laughs> a little column A, a little column B. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. The problem is, is that my bones are filled with blood. <laughs> Unlike Billy, whose problem is that his blood is filled with bones. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Are you excited to talk about this one? Yes, more so than last pay-per-view. Obviously, it's been quite the journey so far yeah. through 1997. You had never seen any of this. And no. this was preceding our first season, where I think looking back, we can say the first season, very often the wrestling seemed to underwhelm you a little bit. Yeah, occasional moments. Like Once we got to, I'd probably say late 99, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm on board with this, but... Mm -hmm. 98 for the most part was not a good year and it's interesting now I'm wondering because you have you been enjoying the 97 so far I have before we started this season all I knew of Brett really was that he was a miserable old fuck has that changed well he's still a miserable old fuck but <laughs> he's, he's also very talented yeah yeah so I, I'd never seen that I, I've only really known post career Brett yeah. which is not the best Brett to know no. that's all I'll be pretty honest about yeah. that fact which is interesting to me is that 1998 is something that you said you didn't really enjoy, but 97 you are enjoying. 97 is all right, yeah. But where we're at at the moment, is the worm turning here? Is this like turning into this product that you didn't like as much? Not just yet, I don't think, but I can very much see it coming. Yeah. I'd be intrigued to see if tastes have changed since we did season one, because when we finally get to yeah, WrestleMania... I remember we all three of us weren't that keen on WrestleMania as a show, but I'm curious to see if there's anything about it we actually enjoy more now. I think yeah. a lot more over the last enjoy, five years. Yeah. I think our tastes may have adapted. Well, a little and bit. also with it being our first episode, however many years ago it was, you know, we didn't yep. really know how to express our opinions in, in that sort no. of way. No so. one even knew what a podcast was. Yes. Whereas this time we'll have a few more do-backs in the background. Yeah. Like We'll re-include that bit with Jabba the Hutt that originally we cut out of the first episode. Like In the but... first episode, what you didn't know is that there's a part where Billy walks around me. <laughs> 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 but what we just did, we just added me going, <laughs> So it's totally fine. It's absolutely good. And you guys are going to love the new season, the Ad Share Podcast, where you just basically do the first season again with new characters. Yeah. You're going to love the new Adam Bibolo. <laughs> By which I mean, you're all going to hate the new Adam Bibolo. And he's going he's to have a horrible time online, that guy. So, look, we got to say things right now. Before we get into this show and the meat of the matter, before we even get into the intro package and all that, I want to say this right at the start. It was a little bit of a coin toss for me personally because we very much made a quite a definitive statement that we were not going to cover Over the Age of 1999 back mm -hmm. in the day because of the tragedy involving Owen Hart, it happening in the middle of the show, and it being kind of something that to this day people other than WWE seem to not know whether or not it's okay to watch it. Mm. Still not comfortable watching it. I felt this from having never seen the whole show before, and also the fact that we're dealing with a tragic passing of a wrestler. Uh, early on in the day, around midday, Brian Pillman, someone we've lauded greatly throughout this series, 
has passed away on the side of you know, bad blood. He hasn't even made the town. So I just wanted to know your guys before we started, how comfortable were you with doing this show that has this hanging over it? And what, if any, effect do you think it has? Adam? It's different to, to Over the Edge, I feel like, because it, I know it's so still, it, in terms of timing, it's still so close to the show. But and I it's f- still a tragedy. Like, it's still you know, a huge yeah. tragedy. But I feel like with it not happening on the show and it not being a question of like, well, is WWF at fault here? Are they responsible? I feel like it is a different circumstance. It's the less criminal nature of this uh, this this tragedy. Yeah, but it's still something that like, I, so I feel like I could watch the show. Like it was more easy to actually watch it, but it's still something that I was taken aback by how much this throws a shadow over the mm. whole show. I like, struggled with this show. Yeah. I'll be honest. Like it really, really got to me and I thought I'd be fine to be honest. Because I mean, it's not as if we didn't know that Pillman was going to pass. I think we've talked about yeah. the kind of the tragedy or it coming up or whatnot. And I mean, it, it's 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 earmarked. But how did you find watching this, Bill? Um, when we got into it, I knew that it had been announced on the pre-show. Yeah, the free Vin- for all. The free yeah. for all. Vince had gone to the crowd and said, "By the way, we found this out." You know minutes ago this has happened i didn't know how much reference they were going to make to it Mm. on camera they don't seem to know either there was a bit there was a bit of trepidation there of like what are they going to say because obviously i knew it would have just happened Mm. that they've just found out so they're not going to have a lot of news to tell people other than brian's past they found out at like seven o'clock so yeah. they literally, they like, you know, there's been interviews with Cornette and Pritchard, all the office people, and they're like literally like ringing the hotel thinking, you know, Heart Foundation don't usually show up on time. You know, maybe he's off somewhere. You know, the Heart Foundation of Preston for going missing on the day of pay-per-views, Brett included, like. Mm. We watched a video of Cornette explaining, and he's like, he rings up the hotel, and they're like, yeah, um, I'm inquiring about someone who stayed here, because it was the town the night before he had stayed over, because he'd wrestled the night before he died, which is mm. crazy to think. And they're like, oh, uh, sorry, one second, sir. I put him on hold. It's like, yeah, Mr. Pillman's passed away. And Cornette is like, I thought that it was just Brian Pillman, you know, shitting with me. Because, you know, Pillman was the loose cannon and he yeah. was always pushing people. He's standing buttons. behind the manager giggling. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's it's not something that Owen Hart would do. It's definitely something that Brian Pillman would do. It's yeah. like pretend, you know. I, I mean, I'm not sure if it's fair to say that, but like, you could just see, though, why someone's mind would go to that. So as it stands, as we go into this pay-per-view, it's worth bearing in mind because I think when I watched this pay-per-view the first time, through i was very very down on their presentation of this i thought that it was handled really badly and i thought vince mcmahon was like borderline insensitive here with with the way this was handled but you guys pointed out to me and i read up some more about it, it's been pointed out to me i rewatched some of the segments they don't know shit at the moment no. they don't know anything and this isn't even the case where it's like own heart has fallen we we can assume what's going yeah. to happen yeah all we know is that pillman has been found mm-hmm. dead that's it at the start of this and they know that Pillman's got a lot of problems and they're basically between the rock and the hard place of a wrestler has died tragically young. We obviously want to mourn this fact, but we obviously don't want to as well put him on a pedestal unless it comes out that he was doing all sorts mm-hmm. and this is going to reflect really badly on us. So what you have here is WWE caught between grief and public image protection. Yeah. yeah. And it's weird. Which they obviously didn't have in their mind with Benoit. No. Because they yeah. put they put him on a big old pedestal yep. Yep. without knowing anything. And I think, I mean, 
you know, you can understand the trepidation, mm. but it makes for an awkward experience. I just wanted to say this now mm-hmm. because we're probably going to dip in and out of it. And much like when I was watching the show myself, I feel like we will forget about this hanging over and then randomly, like a ton of bricks, it'll come out of left yeah, field. Yeah. Honestly. So be forewarned. I don't know when this will crop up. We will have a Pillman chat in depth at one point. Yeah. I feel we've talked about a lot of it now, but it is a cloud over this pay-per-view, different to over the edge. Mm. It's just worth bearing in mind. So, yeah, we've got a tragic death, one of the biggest debuts, someone from the company is leaving, another faction is forming, again, 1987, off to the fucking races, it's bad blood. Pride, confidence, extraordinary talent, they're the signature of a superstar performer. Add arrogance, conceit, self-adulation to the equation, and you've defined the very essence of Shawn Michaels. Nobody, but nobody tells me what to do. For two months, the self-proclaimed master antagonist has launched a calculated and brutal war of destruction on the phenom of the World Wrestling Federation. I made you taste your blood once. You are gonna taste it again. And like hyenas rapid from the scent of a fresh kill, his pack of allies have been quick to join the slaughter. We came we saw and we kicked the dead man's ass but tonight within the unforgiving confines of a specially constructed steel cell the cocksure tormentor will become the tormented tonight Shawn michaels will stare into the eyes of a merciless reaper hell bent on revenge there'll be no helmsman no china no insurance policy to save his soul tonight there's no way in no way out no one to stop the car. All right. Can we talk about the poster first and foremost to this pay-per-view? Undertaker holding the head of the Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, of course, when Undertaker first debuted his catchphrase, I am the Undertaker. <laughs> and he just threw the head down and into the ground. What's that all about, then? Uh, what's it mean? Exactly. Is this symbolic? Is this symbolic? I mean, Michael Cole should be asking these questions. Yeah. He, he's there yeah. now, like, you know. Uh, I don't know if this is meant to be, like, symbolic of Kane. Yeah. But you're not meant to know Kane's going to be here tonight. You're going to be just focused on Undertaker, Shawn Michaels. They've got real heat with each I other. I mean, we will be having these questions of who's holding up Shawn's head. That's exactly Shawn's what Shawn's head would be like, yeah, absolutely, go for it. This is so... You just mentioned it there immediately it's like this is 100% Shawn Michaels head was there and then he said oh you're not putting that on there and then they go okay we're not what if Undertaker put his own head instead he's similar hair to Shawn we can fit it in I guarantee you what are you saying my head can be cut off but Brett's can't (laughs) (laughs) fuck it change it and then Brett's just walking around backstage swiveling his neck like this ain't ever coming off these shoulders (laughs) and Shawn's all angry like that's why he tried to pull his hair out wasn't he his head's coming off just like on the poster (laughs) because I can just imagine that being something one or both of them being upset about absolutely you know, I think we got one month without the pettiness coming through because they've kept Brett and Sean separated. Like, yeah. But you can just know the shit's still bubbling away. And when we get to Survivor Series, it's going to be ugly as yeah. sin. So, we talk about pride. Pride. Confidence. Confidence. Because this deadly new trio, who still has not got a name, nope. even though there's four of them, mm-hmm. Who's not part of the trio? Is it China or Rick Rude? It's Rick Rude. Is yeah. it Rick Rude? Yeah. He's just an insurance policy, is what he is. 
What can Rude actually do? Just, I'm talking about physically. Because, I mean, he's swinging some chairs. Can he take... I don't think he can take a bump, though. I don't think so. He can grow a moustache. He sure can. He fucking can, mate. Yeah, yeah, we didn't really chat much about Rick Rude last time. He just kind of, like, appeared out of nowhere. What do you guys know about ravishing Rick Rude? Because he's one of my all-time faves from St. Paul, Minnesota. Body of a fucking Greek god. The only thing I know about is that Austin's got a lot of time for him. Yeah. yeah. That's the only thing I know about Rick Rude is Austin loves him. For you, does that give him a stamp of approval? Or does it mean, like, anything, really? It doesn't really mean anything to okay. me, personally. Because all he does here, in the, and in the last pay-per-view, is just kind of stand around and be there. Look like a badass? He's a bloke in a suit with a moustache. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Tom Selleck. How about you, Adam? What, what have you got in terms of memories of, of him? Have you seen any classic Rick Rude? Yeah, I've than? seen a lot of like promos and segments and a couple of matches of old school Rick Rude back when he was actually wrestling and like so looking good. fucking incredible. And can we just take a second to say that Simply Ravishing is the greatest song that has ever, mm, ever true. existed. Legit, it legit. It's the best thing WCW ever did was that song. That company it. should exist just because of that song. Yeah, like, honestly. You know, unbelievable. But, this Rick Rude here, 97 insurance policy Rick Rude, I am not a fan of, to be honest with you. What's the problem then? It could, it's just, I don't get his justification. Shawn Michaels and Triple H are men behaving badly, so yep. they've got their insurance policy to help them continue to behave badly. Even yes. though they already have China, who is like a substantial insurance policy. Exactly. And Rick Rude came out and he helped Shawn one week, then the next week they're like, Rick Rude, what are you doing back in the World Wrestling Federation? And he's like, I'm an insurance salesman, McMahon. I'm the insurance policy. If you've got the money... I'm your insurance. And he's like, well, quite frankly, Mr. Rude, what does that mean? He's like, I'm the insurance policy. <laughs> and like, that's literally it. And like you say, they've already got muscle in the form of China. Yeah. We don't need some guy in a suit to swing a chair occasionally. You don't want like, muscle, you can't take a bump either. Legit. Yeah. What's the point? That's he's, true. He's not an insurance policy as far as I'm concerned. Here's why I think the reason they've done it in... I th- the fact that you two don't like it and the fact that I do makes me think that it's done exactly what they wanted it to do, which is to make you just kind of go, ha ha, Rick Rude! Because <laughs> yeah. that, honestly, that's it for me. I love Rick Rude. Rick Rude is the type of individual where his presence with someone has a weight just because Rick Rude was such a well-respected man in wrestling. Yeah. So if he's there with Shawn Michaels, that means that Shawn Michaels is like is legit or whatever. He won't just stand around he's with anyone. He's getting the rub. He's getting the rub a little bit. It's like if Harley Race was in your corner, you know, in WCW. Okay, we're not going to stick him with just about anyone. Him being there is like kind of a... Mean something. Mean something. Yeah. Even though he's not going to take a bump, even though he can't get physical or whatever. And I did like as well in his insurance-heavy promo where he still did the old sexy thing where he was like, what I like right now is for all these mid-Atlantic sweat hogs to sit down and let a real sexy insurance salesman talk. Yeah, I love that. You know, and the fact that he did the the sweat flick at the end. Yeah. Still came out to the big sexy like... Unless you're watching on the network, in which case it's the usual problem of like, ladies and gentlemen, the ravishing Rick... Dub over everything with some generic royalty-free saxophone song. You've done it now! You've gone and gyrated your hips. So yeah, I mean, they're part of this group. They're still not DX. Nope, no. Still, there's only point- a matter of time, though. You keep pointing at your dicks with this combination of people yeah. long enough, you will become DX. 
And as a result of the fact that this group is together, they have continued to wage war on The Undertaker, and the beatdowns have been intense. Taker being put into a fucking body bag. Yeah. Constant chair shots. Yeah. I've never seen The Undertaker dominated by not a heavy set man Vince McMahon is trying to push heavily. You know, <laughs> honestly, this is the most light men have ever gotten on the dead man. Like, is this the first instance we'll have of like, I've never seen The Undertaker taken down like this before? As, again, unless it was a heavy set monster Vince was trying to push. Yeah. Because King Mabel and. Oh, yeah. Mr. Hughes. And Mr. Hughes! All these big men have dominate the Undertaker the likes of which you've never seen the likes of which but and you've never seen the likes of which of not DX that's never panned out though has it a big man put against Undertaker it's never I'm trying to think if it's uh, ever come out Grey Cali Billy yeah I mean he pinned the Undertaker with one foot on his yeah. first night Glenn Kane like Kane's probably Kane, the biggest example yeah. of it working Kane's, yeah but I would make the argument as well that Kane didn't need to be big to be imposing. He needed to be big because he was just the brother of the Undertaker. Yes. You know, he had to look at him eye to eye, essentially. Hence the lifts, I guess. Imagine yeah. if he was like a little luchador Kane. Like, <laughs> that's what he got. They, they got some luchador to play Kane. Well, all right. Well, Max Mini deserves better, but Kane Mini would, I would think he could do a little a little bit of that. Yeah. Like, you know, I think that would work very well. So as a result of this constant attack and abuse in the Undertaker, we need a number one contender for Survivor Series. And it's not really been said it's because of Commissioner Slaughter or management or no one's gotten the credit for it but the Hell in the Cell has been constructed yes and this was announced by Jim Ross just turning to Cameron saying ladies and gentlemen this Sunday there'll be a special presentation there will be a cage with a roof on it this roof will be used to contain Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker and we're calling it the Hell in the Cell and uh there will be a roof on it yeah literally that's about wow, it wow a roof seriously how Shit is that as an intro for the most demonic structure in WWE yep. history. Mm. Your words, not mine, WWE. Like, do they not believe in us? They're, I don't they, know. They, they I, don't they, I don't know how. I don't think they know how to market it. Yeah, that's what I think it is. Is like they think it's a good idea, but like how? Because at, at its base, it's a steel cage match where you can't leave the steel cage. So yeah. Like, so, so how do you? They haven't worked out at this point, you know, with all the hyperbole how they can, you know, ramp this up. Yeah. They are really holding it back. It's like, I'd love to know how this goes from concept to actually being physically made. Because this is one of these things, unfortunately, with 1987, depending on who you ask, you can go watch the shoot view with Bruce Pritchard, Vince Russo, or Jim Cornette, and they'll all probably say different people devised the hell in the sound mm. and all that. The general consensus seems to be that they did start with war games as the kind of... With the, right. you know, as the star cage with a with a lid, and they moved out from there. I'm not sure who decided to make it a cell that had a space in between. That seems to be the thing that makes it most distinct. Does, yeah. does it have a kayfabe creator? No, does and this it... is what I wanted to talk about oh. now, which is matches with kayfabe creators. Are you guys aware of any matches that in kayfabe were made by a character or a wrestler? Jericho invented the elimination chamber, didn't he? Money in the bank. Money in the bank. The elimination chamber was invented by Eric Bischoff. Because Vince McMahon in storyline was underwhelmed with Bischoff's first six months as a GM. So Bischoff was like, shit, I'll just put all the wrestlers in this really dangerous match. And Vince was like, you're hired. Yeah. <laughs> and I just love that the Elimination Chamber is like someone desperate to mm. come up with something yeah. salacious. Something sick. Like. Yeah, or Jericho, he's coming up with a concept where he's a crafty wrestler just thinking, I can skip the queue by doing this. Yeah. I can do a ladder match. I love, love, love that. Like TLC made by Mick Foley. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh my. Probably just because it rhymes. Yeah. Ra Raven's Rules. 
Of course. Yeah. Dark Side Rules. Oh, yeah. Undertaker came up with that. The Last Ride match. Eric Rowan came up with the stairs match, I believe. <laughs> he's the architect of the stairs well, match. He's there, like, solving a Rubik's Cube. There is only one match that I will take you <laughs> on in. Big Red Rules. Oh, it's that, a steel chair match. That one week where he was in Mensa. Yeah. 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 I forgot about that. House of Horrors, created by Bray Wyatt. Oh, of course, you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. God. It's a kind of, there's a lot of ones, though, where it's one-offs. It's a one-off. Yeah. One it? like, how many people have come up with like matches that have then got, like, it went on to have a lengthy... Because you got to look at, like, then people like Dory Funk Sr. with the Texas Death Match, which is yeah. like, not only did it create that match, it created, like, a whole genre of matches underneath it. Mm. So... I don't know. It's interesting that, yeah. Uh, reverse Battle Royale at TNA. I think it was yeah. invented by uh, Jarrett or a Russo, maybe. Okay. <laughs> not a very good example. No, seriously, no. not a very good example. Most of the TNA ones won't be good examples. And the, the kayfabe creator and real creator are both going to be Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, yeah. so let's, uh, let's maybe leave this one to one side. But yes, it's not been promoted as the big thing. Like They, they almost are like... Not sure whether this will be used again. Yeah, if it's a selling point. You don't want to put all of your eggs in one basket, though, and it also be shit. Yeah, because like if they if they've been you know using all this hyperbole to make it sound like amazing, and the match didn't end up being good, you know, then put they're, prison all they're, over they're again, gonna right? look stupid. It's not a spoiler for us to say before the main event that this is considered to be one of the greatest WWE matches of all time. Yeah, uh, one of the only matches to ever receive five stars from from the Wrestling Observer. If that's how you you, you put credence on whether or not a match is good or not. Mm. But it's also worth bearing in mind that when we got to King of the Ring 1998, the chat, if you recall, was that the Hell in the Cell was still kind of like the, the red-headed stepchild. It was still the, kind of the outlier. People weren't, like, in the company embracing it as, like, this, you know, there's a reason why Taker and Mankind got it and Kane and Austin didn't. Yeah. It's still not a match that they're 100% comfortable with. And I think it's not until 2000 or 2001 that they actually think, yeah, yeah this is part of the brand now. We like this. Fans like this. Was so. the one with Foley the second one or was that one between? No, it was the second one. That was one, the second one, yeah. But then, of course... Oh, no, wait, we, was it? Because we, we saw this one on Raw as well between Mankind and Kane. We, we did have the one, yeah, on Mankind and Kane and Raw. We also had Mankind and Kane versus Austin, The Undertaker. Yeah. All of those happened within, like, a two to three week period around yeah. King of the Ring 1998. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a glush, let's just yeah. say. But... Considering this is only, what, October? We don't come back to this again till June, thereabouts? Yeah, quite a while. Remarkable restraint for WWE. And, of course, we end off with a video package with two promises. That there will be no mates for Shawn Michaels. And no one to stop the carnage. So that's good to know. They're basically saying you're going to see Shawn Michaels get beat up a lot. Pretty much, yeah. So if you like seeing sexy boys get punished, tonight's the night for you. And opening us up, the greatest theme song of all time. No, it's been driving me fucking mad since I watched it the other day. I know for a fact this is someone's entrance music. We've seen this person in the Attitude Era before. Sorry, I'm just playing music because I'm not playing the background. Because this thing about it, right? It hits you, and you have all this time where it's like it's hitting you with this constant barrage of. And then there's a bit where it goes. And that's the point where you have to really think about who it is. It's got to be a mid-carder, I think. Oh, it so is. Yeah. The greatest mid-carder of all time. That is the original music of Steve the Lethal Weapon Blackman. Of course. Before he had his... Yeah, this is yeah. this is Blackman where they had the blue lights. You could tell whether or not he masturbated. He's coming to go... <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Like, hey, Star Wars, kept that in your new movie. Steve Blackman with little lightsabers. Come on. The night has been thrown into disarray because of the incident with Brian Pillman. Yep. The phrase, we're scrambling, is used 
multiple times tonight. Yep. Matches have been added. Matches have been taken away. We're meant to get Pillman versus Dude Love with Goldust handcuffed to the corner. And if Pillman uh, lost, he would then have to face Goldust for five minutes in an ODQ match. What a fucking cornet stipulation but, that yeah. is. Like, are you sure you don't want to put him in a cage? Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or, or a box in a cage. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, they're scrambling here. There's a lot of new matches that have been put on. So, yeah, we're scrambling here tonight. But uh, let's ourselves have a little bit of a scramble into the world of magazines and physical media. Adam, Raw, WWF Magazine, give it to me. We got them both this month, baby. Yeah. So, WWF Magazine... Big picture of Shawn Michaels standing over the body of The Undertaker with a steel chair. And it says, Why, Shawn, why? Vic Venom's theory on the Michaels Heart conspiracy. Here's my theory on the conspiracy. Send the cash. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I like is it says at the top, because we had last time, the rise and fall of Shawn Michaels. Part deuce. 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 <laughs> what comes next to me? Part domino? <laughs> <laughs> and then over on WWF Raw, I love this. We've got a big picture of... So, I just thought Vic Venom would have been Raw Magazine through and through. You think, wouldn't you? Yeah. But Vic Venom's on the PG. Bro, are you trying to put the muzzle on Vic Venom? Well, WWF Magazine is kayfabe and Raw is slightly kayfabe breaking. So, Vic Venom is WWF Magazine. Vince Russo is WWF Raw, surely. I couldn't like... Marks probably think I'm Vic Venom, but I'm actually just Vince Russo. Really? <laughs> Here in our adult oriented wrestling magazine? Well, I want fluff, so I better eat a fucking marshmallow. Oh, like. this guy, I'm walking here. So, WWF Raw, we've got a big picture of someone in a business suit. We've got Bret Hart with the Canadian flag, we've got the Patriot with the American flag, and it says, Did the Titan suits instigate a war? For the mature fan now, this is. Yeah, because you see the Patriots' dick in the centrefold, like. So I'm guessing that they're basically saying that, like, maybe the guys over at Titan Entertainment have gone a little too far and they've created a full-on culture war between America and Canada. So just wrestling is so fucking relevant, baby. Is that basically saying that because you're the mature fan, you can understand geopolitical movements exactly. like this, you know? Whereas the kids over at WWF magazine, they're not interested they're in like, that. Ha ha, When I see for the mature fan, I just think there's going to be some naked people in the mag. Yeah. Yeah, undoubtedly. Yeah, some top shelf material. We're hoping that, like, Dale... I mean, Dale Wilkes is a bit nervous to begin with. I think if, if you get Dale Wilkes there, you got to pose nude for the centrefold of Raw magazine. With the flag wrapped around him. Yeah. Like. Can you imagine the walk out to the ring that, like, like <laughs> They'd have to push him, like, go on, get out there now. So the phrase that's been used tonight here, folks, is quite like the phrase I was using when we had brunch an hour ago. For fuck's sake. We're scrambling tonight yeah. here, folks. Yeah. I was scrambling like a motherfucker. Uh, I'd like to thank my egg lady who delivers my eggs every week. They're, they're really great. Uh, I'm going to try and see if we get some sort of a sponsorship deal. Yeah. Sponsored by eggs. Maybe have her on the show at the caption contest to tell us about her services. I think like, it'll work really well. Yeah. Like, yeah. What egg is this wrestler most like? Etc. It's chicken again. So you see, like, people are going to think that's a bit Kevin actually has an egg lady. I do. Oh, no, he does, yeah. yeah. He Obviously, does. the egg man has an egg lady. I mean, come <laughs> on, like, right? They say they're scrambling constantly here tonight, although if you did that constantly, cholesterol will be an issue one, once sake. a week, guys. But we have Nation of Domination taking on the LOD. This match is one that's been thrown together. we got Rocky Maivia, the new Nation member. We've got Kama, the ultimate fighting machine, and D'Lo Brown against the Legion of Doom, who are meant to have Shamrock as a partner, but he is still injured. Shamrock and Vader had the undistinct pleasure of having to make Birmingham, Tokyo, and two towns in America in one week. Fucking hell. Ooh. And one of those matches was Vader taking on Shamrock in Tokyo, where they're expecting it to be stiff. And yeah, Vader and Shamrock are both a bit hurt. Shamrock cannot compete here, so still on the shelf. 
Shamrock has lost all his momentum. Yeah. Completely, yeah. He was so exciting at this, like King of the Ring in '97. He was like scintillatingly interesting. Like, it felt like he was going to be in the main event picture by the end of the year. Like, like where he's at at '98, he was already there in '97. Yeah. Like, mm. so it's obviously this is the stop-start stuff that absolutely kills him. And guys, I don't know about you, but. I often get a, a Pichon for certain types of matches. I'm talking about physical matches. Those are my mm. favourite. And it was boding poorly where Vincent Mann described this match as being a physical, physical match. Oh, yeah. double physical. Are we clone Bam Neely? Are we bringing out the big <laughs> man? Sake. Are the Jim and I going to work over Bob Holly on Velocity? I, I was expecting a uh, a mystery partner. Yeah, because the, the, the commentators tease one as yeah. such. They're like, who's the LOD going to bring out? You can make someone, but send them out with the fucking shoulder pads and yeah. the face paint. Yeah. That's it. Like It's so easy. I bet LOD are like, no, we don't want anyone to have our shoulder yeah. pads. They're, they're, you know, but LOD are clearly thinking, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling three on two. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are American originals, Billy. So, randomly, just out of nowhere... The first mention of it, Vincent Mann is like, by the way, folks, Brian Pillman has passed away. We talked about it earlier on the free-for-all, so that's all for now. They're basically saying, you've probably heard the skull boy, but we've already talked about it. There's no graphic at the start. There's no direct-to-camera. We're already into it. You find out as the match is taking place here. And they also say this, which I thought was really bad. We will not belabor this point throughout the broadcast, ladies and gentlemen, Mm. but information is unlikely to be forthcoming. So they say at the start, we're not going to learn anymore. A tragedy has happened. Let's learn more. More or not tomorrow. Yeah. More on that in 10 minutes. Yeah. And then another 10 yeah. minutes. Like, yeah. Dribs and drabs throughout the night. They belabor the fuck out of this. And we will try not to, but they don't. Mm. What do you What do you think about telling the live audience? Because that's what? something they didn't do for Owen. People didn't know about Owen, who were there in the arena. Mm. I mean, they had seen and they could guess. Yeah, but, but they, they didn't know really until the, the, the papers the next day. So... I mean, it's a bummer, isn't it? Like, it completely... But I think the difference between a tragedy happening right in front of you and a tragedy happening off camera, you know, I know people who have had... You know, everyone in this room has had someone close to them die, Mm -hmm. right? You know, but anyone here in this room had someone die right in front of them? No. No, no, neither. And I have a friend who that did happen to them mm. and it literally changed them. Like it, they say like it's like they were just coming out of some concert, some festival and someone was running across the road, they got run over. Like that was it, like just stone dead. And it's like, if you see something real like tragic happen like that, like it happened with Owen, mm. I think the audience was already in a state of shock. They didn't need to come mm. out and say that gruesome thing you just saw. Yeah, he's dead. I think yeah. everyone there mm. had already surmised that much, but here it doesn't affect the audience in the way you might think. Like they're no. they're they're like over the edge. I've seen clips of it after the fact, and the crowd are, you know, they're they're not watching wrestling. They're sad. No. They're miserable. They're muttering to themselves. Crowd's into it for the most part tonight. They're a little bit less hot than you expect for St. Louis, but I mean, what do you think the atmosphere is like? Is it like someone has died? No. I think it's entirely what you said. It's because they're not face-to-face with the reality of what's happened. Mm. They've heard about it, and they probably will be like, oh my god, that is terrible, but it's not like the kind of thing that you can't just... They can still put it to the back of their mind and enjoy the show they've paid to come and see. Uh, Yeah. I I don't know if it is a factor as well of their... You know, comparing it again to Owen. When Owen died, he was goofy face. Yeah. Mm. Pillman's a hated heel. He is, yeah. So I, I, I mean, guess yeah, so Hone was technically a heel as the Blazer. He was a goofy heel, yeah. but he was still technically a heel. But, but, but yeah. I, I don't know if that is also a factor because it's 97. People are still very clearly month, you know, week in, week out, month by month, 
getting worked by what's going on in storyline. No, that's yeah. true. I so mean, I don't know if that is a factor. And it's, it's, it's two things, right? You're either the fan who's like a total newbie who like thinks, oh, is this just part of the story or whatever? Mm-hmm. Or you could be the fan who's got the Observer subscription who's like, it's probably Pillman doing a crazy wild thing. Like, I'm not saying that was mm-hmm. the average person's thought, but that was, I mean, compared the reaction of the wrestlers to the reaction of the audience and compare that to Over the Edge where the wrestlers seems like they were trying to put on a show to make things better but the audience were, were just miserable yeah. you know because the wrestlers were still holding out hope I think that they were going to hear something mm. whereas here it's the wrestlers are just devastated all night long and the crowd are just pretty much like yeah wrestling show yeah. Mm. you know I think it's, it's just that one step of removal they're not mm. hearing Vince McMahon struggle on commentary no, no. they're not you know they were told to the crowd in the free for all you know but I mean it's not what you would think it is Shamrock has been given a write-off with the injury angle. They are talking about how he was taken out by the nation. Hawk has a chat here about how they're the nation of abomination. And Hawk's big promo at the start here kind of does go over flat. It doesn't really get anyone riled up. No one's really excited to see a handicap match with the LOD in the nation of domination. Like I say, the commentators tease the fact that LOD are going to have a mystery partner. Ahmed! And then it's like... Right? No, well, no, we're just going to do it ourselves. And then they keep going on about like, oh, well, Shamrock. Obviously, Shamrock's in no condition to compete. Ahmed? Shamrock is Shamrock is 100% not coming out tonight. You're not going to see Ken Shamrock. And He'd actually be some sort of a superhero to come out. I was just sat here like, come on, let's have Ken come out then. Like, And that's two things that they tease that we didn't get. And I just thought like, well, this is a kind of a lackluster encounter here. Like, yeah. There's no big surprise. So, Rocky is immediately night and day. Him as a heel compared mm-hmm. to him as a face. Crowd hate him. He keeps diving out of the ring to avoid the LOD. I do like the dynamic of the old-time veterans, the LOD, and this fucking young punk 20-year-old kid mm-hmm. who doesn't want to get hit in the face and all mm-hmm. that. Also, very happy to see D'Lo Brown wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Vince says he's the Lennox Lewis of the WWF. What does that mean? I've not a fucking clue. That's another black gentleman I am aware of, Legit. quite frankly. There's no similarity There's no no, no boxing. Lennox Lewis is like an extra six inches on D'Lo Brown. I Maybe think. you could like, say Charles Wright with the fighting gimmick, but yeah, he's a kickboxer. Yeah. I, don't know. I don't get it. Nation domination. Cheat lots and lots. The referee does not care. Even when The Rock comes in and you know, hits DDTs and stuff when he's not the legal man. Very, very hot hawk to Road Warrior tag. But Ooh. the ref does not see us. Then we get the low down and a kick out. And then a second hot tag to Hawk, who then manages to clear house. And he's so over. It's amazing that Hawk, even with this kind of... It's an awkward match. Crowd isn't really into it. But once Hawk's doing a hot tag... He's over like Rover. You he's know? a great hot tag hawk. Yeah. Is. I don't think I've given him credit for that before, but he's really fucking good at that. What he, What did he do? He did a sloppy scoop slab and a couple of clotheslines. Crowd were on their feet. Like. But the intensity yeah. he put into it was insane. Like Rocky being put in the Doomsday device. And like, there's something about the Road Warriors where they have this, and I think this is actually probably the appeal of them, when they get the bit of momentum, and then it's like, shit, they've kicked everyone out of the ring, they're going to get someone for the Doomsday device, and then I think half the audience feel like they're in the 80s again, and they mm-hmm. think like they're watching, you know, old NWA. Like, there is a nostalgia factor in here, of mm-hmm. seeing like, Hawk and Animal want to do the Doomsday device to the young kid, Rocky. Like, that's real fucking great imagery. But Rook comes out, causes an interference, and wouldn't you know it, Dwayne Johnson hits the Uranagi and uh, picks up the victory for the Nation of Domination. Long on courage, he's referred to as being. Long on courage? I don't know what that means. The fuck? Long. Long on courage. They're saying the LOD means that they're too stupid to back down from this three-on-two match. Is that it? Right. 
I mean, it was better than I thought it would be, yeah. but... I mean, it kind of was like, uh-oh, if we're getting random jumbled matches because we're scrambling and the wrestlers are... Like, some of the wrestlers were pretty obviously upset. Like, Hawk was notably upset. Like, mm. you know, Rocky and D'Lo looked very shook at points. Mm. So this was kind of like a bit of a bad omen for later on. What do you guys think of this one? It's fine. It's yeah. fine. There's no, no more to say than fine. Yeah, it was okay. There was a couple of highlights in it, but it was mostly a weak opener. Like. How did Rocky do in his first outing as a heel for you guys? Is he is he like the Rocky Movia that we see later on? Like? No, not yet. I did enjoy the little looks to the crowd when the... Um, you could tell the the Rocky sucks chance for getting to him. Yeah, um, love that. Uh, and it, there's little asides to stuff which you can see that those little asides are things that are going to be a big part of his yeah his gimmick in a in a year's time. Yeah, he's got a lot to figure out still, but he's already way less. The pieces nervous. are there. Yeah. Backstage, we got Sonny and Doc Hendricks. Sorry, Todd, you're out of here. We don't need Todd. We got Doc. He's gone, baby. Here's a problem where, which for me now, that's happened a number of times. I was like, this week, I was doing like bits of filming and all sorts. So I watched this pay per view in lots of like kind of 20 to 30 minute bursts. And so many times it happened where I was like, huh, energy's a bit low here. It's kind of awkward. What's going on? And then I was like, oh, oh wait, yeah. no, of course, like everyone's devastated. Yep. And fuck me, we've talked a lot about Sonny, the fucking, the quintessential professional, mm. like, and you wouldn't really know it other than you re- like, I spent a little bit too long kind of thinking about it that like Sonny and Pillman, obviously, of course, they were fucking buddy buddies, yeah. like, and Sonny's still fine, you know, yeah. still does it. You wouldn't, she's not letting it show at all. Where's Sable been the last few months? Who fucking knows, mate? She fucked up the she beefed up the million dollar chance. Yeah, she's like. been in the dojo, mate. Working on them chops is what she's doing. Ah, of course, uh, like. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vince McMahon back here now, restating that Brian Pillman is dead, and we need more information. But here are some conditional condolences right now. Yeah, yeah. he does look genuinely upset he in, is. This, yes. in this. He's segment. rattled. He, yeah. you know, that he knows that this is shit. Like yeah. that he should be able to say more but he can't and he's between now like if I say nothing I'm heartless if I say loads I'm gonna potentially libel the WWF mm. who is already as we point out about to restructure Brett Steele there's all sorts of rumblings about not getting the time slot back from USA like a wrongful death lawsuit could have killed the company at this point mm. and there's someone over in, e- in WCW who's saying that he's gonna kill the company every week so you know you can understand from the business perspective why Vince is like, yeah. Yeah, you know, but it doesn't make it any less awkward watching it in 2020, it folks. Yeah, especially when they do bring attention to it because Vince goes, now we were supposed to have a Brian Pillman match next, but as you know, he's dead. Yeah. Um, so like, you just, you, it, I don't know if it needs There's acknowledging it and then there's bringing it up constantly. Like, like... Billy, you and I have, have been in the world of stand-up comedy and I don't know about you, but I've gotten a few shit calls onto the stage before where someone's just like, Oh, right, yeah, um, here's the next guy, uh, Kevin, there, yeah. yeah. And you walk off, and, like, no one's clapping, you're like, thanks for fucking warming them up yeah. for me, buddy. Yeah. Max Mini, Nova, Mosaic, and Tarantula, you get the, Brian Pillman was meant to be wrestling now, but he's no longer with us, so we're scrambling. Mini action! Yeah. Fuck off! Give yeah. him a better, like, last month the presentation was excellent, and you know what, the pops for all these guys... Mm-hmm. Yeah, this warmed my heart. But yeah, yeah, as well because because what they say this this match wasn't on the card. No, no. this is the match they've thrown together, and yep. you know, give it a bit more than just saying we've thrown this together because Brian's dead. So yeah, this, this wouldn't be good enough for the show normally. And you know what? What spoke to me about this about how over the minis actually are yeah. 
when Mosaic and Tarantula came out, who were the heel team, and also I can point out Tarantula with like Ultramantis Black Fives. Yes. Like, such Chikara masks on these guys. Yeah. I love it. I love that like real simple like <laughs> But when Mosaic and Tarantula came out, the audience mistook him for Max Mini, I think. Because mm. they just saw that the minis were out. They went, Way! Yeah. So you get the two heels are coming out, <laughs> this big pop. And then when Max Mini comes out, I shit you not, he gets one of the biggest pops of the night. He does. Yes, when people are like, oh does. wait, that is actually Max Mini. <laughs> I love Love, love how over these guys are. And you know what? Give me a fucking mini tag action to, you know, break up the awkwardness of this pay-per-view. Yeah. Scramble this way, that's totally fine. JR is right down the lens of the camera. They are due our respect. These are incredible athletes. And Jim Ross says that right after Jerry Lawler reuses the Lucky Charms line he used on Taz yeah. one month ago. Fuck me. Roll heavy action here. It's like me playing No Mercy on the 64. <laughs> Can't catch me. Woo! Jerry on commentary is demanding a match with Max Mini. Yeah. He's still upset about the lap sitting and crown yeah. taking from last month. Not over it. Guys, you want to see Lawler try and do the pile driver to Max Mini, then Max Mini like climb up him and like, yes. you know, pull on his hair. It'd be like, yo, know, Tiny Kong beats up King K. Rule at the end of Donkey Kong 64. <laughs> they go into Jerry's shoe and he'd be like, ah! It'd be crazy. <laughs> All four of these men are in constantly, and a big issue here that we have with the minis, at least from WWF's perspective, is that we got lucha tag rules. Yes, yes. What are lucha tag rules for those who don't know, folks? If if anyone leaves the ring, their partner can come in. Yeah. So roll into the bottom rope, new action in, and not just you, the other person as well. You yes. can switch out, which means fast action is how we get the acrobatic style that is synonymous with the lucha libre style fast paced lots of rolls out dives people leave the ring other people come in dive out of the ring it's great it, it ensures a flow yeah. and also ensures that we don't have the problems with the bulletproof legal tag syndrome that we have in WWF mm. where constantly shit just like doesn't you know make sense and yeah. people just walk in and out but JR has not been vetted on this because he's like okay roll out of the ring there not making legal tags I guess it's because these gentlemen primarily um, compete in a different environment. And Vince McMahon's like, yes, I believe these are um, Mexican rules. And that is why the gentlemen are not tagging out. And Jim Ross just stonily goes, well, perhaps if we were to see more of the minis, they will need to adopt their style of the World For Wrestling Federation. Work that American style. <laughs> and it's just like, this is your problem with the minis? Literally. Yeah. That they're not wrestling like your other guys? I mean, it's... Annoying when you do, try and do like the, the Lucha House Party in 2020. They're like, let's do Lucha rules for them so they can just like roll out of the ring and then tag themselves in. It's like, no, that makes them just seem like heels. Yeah, honestly, yeah. that's an unfair advantage. Whereas this, it's just like, right, it's the division. Make it the rule of the division. Yes. So mm. it's fast. Legit. You know, make it like a 205 thing or whatever. Just say that these guys can do this. But yeah, they are not having a good time with the minis on commentary this time. They seem a little bit off. Yeah. I think. Even though the match I really, really love. Vince is lamenting what he refers to as the confusion of the style that you are seeing. And then Jim Ross, who spent all matches on top of how great they are. I mean, Max Mini, again, beautiful Hurricane Runners. Yeah. Tarantula is really, really something. He he's, he's really does a good job of being like the bigger man and you know keeping him down constantly. JR compares him to sandwiches, though. What? Yeah. He's like, Max Mini, he looks like one of them big old sandwiches one of the Godwins would have in their, in their britches. What? Yeah. A sandwich in your brit. Britches in your trousers. A big blue and yellow sandwich with sunglasses. 
I mean, what are you on about, Jim? I would say Maximini Nova, Mosaic, or Trancha are all in incredibly unappetizing com- colors: blue, bright green, yeah. pastel, Get yellow. Get that away from me! No thanks, like. I'd rather be scrambling, to be honest. Mm. Max Mini gets press slammed in front of a cackling Jerry Lawler. Yeah. It was kind of a miserable spot, because Jerry's just like, <laughs> and then he pointed at it and went, <laughs> yep. I thought Max Mini, you could like bite him or something. Or, no. No. He looked a bit hurt, actually, Max, when he got press slammed. Yeah. He was sounding a bit much. This, uh, this is a great match, but obviously compared to last month's, it's very apparent that it's like... It's a bit... Go, thrown, go, go. Thrown, thrown together. together. Let's quick, let's fill some time with you guys. And it's... Considering that, it's amazing, but it does mean there are certain spots where it's like, okay, what was that mm. about? And, like, it's the reason why Max Mini is, like, probably considered a legend in the genre and Nova is not because Nova botches a lot. Yes. Like, you know, and it's, that's a shame when you've got a really exciting dynamic division, but you've only got like a few names who actually can exemplify the style. Mm. You've got a few people who can kind of do it, but they're not 100% there yet. It's the Brian Christopher Scott Putsky syndrome. Yeah. yeah, it's like you've not actually got the baseline talent, I think, yeah. here. Or at least not giving them, a, like, because Nova and Tarantula and Mosaic. Mosaic, this is all their first night on TV. Like, yeah. They've just been roped yeah. in kind of thing we get a couple of boxes from Nova Tarantula comes in the bigger man and he max handles man mini it's fucking horrible we get a crucifix but the shoulder is up and the count is broken and it still gets counted as a win yeah. it's like I'm really worried because I kind of feel like this may be it now for the minis that we had a really great unexpectedly fun showing and then it's like right shit you need to fill some time and yeah. I enjoyed this. I'm going to blame them for it. You can't hold it against yeah. them considering how slapdash mm. this was by its nature. Yeah, like, so it's, it's kind not of their fault. No, it, it's it's WWE's fault, but the minis are taking the blame here. Obviously. And again, I'm not reading spoilers for anything after these shows, so I really hope this is not the end of the minis. Oh, I hope so. Because if it is, I will be disappointed. I When I uh, find wrestlers I've never seen before, mm. I always go onto their Wikipedia pages because mm. a lot of the time, I've noticed in 97, they don't always put up Title cards for their names. No, no. So you have to tell us what, what the they floating say their names roster are. of '97 um, is so weird. So I usually nice. have to go to Wikipedia right, right. For, for their information. So I was learning about these guys. One of these men was murdered in 2009. What? Oh, I don't want this to be uh, too death heavy this episode, but I think that's going to be inevitable. I mean, I think that's already like a, a reality yeah. with this episode. So I just, I just say Billy's remit has now kind of extended to feels into like the true crime yeah. genre yes. and if true crime ever like overlaps with the happenings of the World yeah. Wrestling Federation I think it, we are worth to know yeah yeah so Tarantula in 2009 was murdered fucking alongside hell. his brother what his yes. brother he was in a bar in Mexico yeah. with his brother and was approached and him and his brother were approached by two sex workers went back to Tarantula and his uh, I can't remember what name he went by in Mexico right yeah went to back to their hotel and these women drugged their drinks and robbed them. But they had done this con several times to different people. You know, it's funny. Chris Jericho in his book, when he went to Mexico, the exact same thing happened to him. Mm. It's, it's apparently it's a, a common enough thing where you get slipped a Mickey in a yeah, yeah. or whatever. But they used the same amount they would use for, oh, a, no! for an average size person. Oh my God! So they, they didn't... Because they, obviously, if you're doing a con like this, you're not going to think... But those men oh, are smaller than the yeah. average sort of man. Fucking Let's give God. them half, half a yeah. one. So they they, they, them. they went to sleep and didn't wake up again. Oh Jesus. my fucking God. That is so miserable. Mm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's a fucking tragedy. Oh my God. Yeah. On any fucking day. Jesus Christ almighty. Whoa, God. This, 
This is some dark shit in 97, yeah. huh? You Join know? us next time for Billy's Crime Watch. <laughs> yeah, why you got in your bag this time? Like, fucking <laughs> hell. Coming up next, because he is uh, limited attendance here, the World Wrestling Federation. Stone Cold Steve Austin, I've got a really cool shirt. Austin 360, man, everyone wears it. You know, why don't you buy my shirt, please? Aww. Please buy the shirt. Buy it. I was really hoping it was, because at first I didn't realise it was going to be an advert for the shirt. I genuinely thought they were going to be advertising the uh, the motion sensing eyes <laughs> and room guard Steve Austin. Like I got motion detector eyes. I'm fixing to stop your parents finding out if you're masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> The attendance here is plugged, and this is like, even by their standards, with the fucking, you know, all-time attendance record or whatever, or capacity crowd, yeah. which we now learned in 97 means nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, the attendance here tonight in St. Louis, Missouri, well over 21,000. We are unsure if this is an attendance record. It perhaps may be, but we will get back to you. We're scrambling, folks. It could, it could, well, imagine if it was an attendance record. Yeah. Well, that's something to stay tuned for, isn't it? Fuck it, they're sending Sonny out. Here she comes. Why? Yeah, I don't understand this role with Sonny. They have her come out to do introductions for the most random matches. It's never any rhyme or reason. There was like... one time where it worked where they did the inter they did the interpromotional war where they did ECW versus USWA. Mm. And because Sonny had like a bit of history with both of the companies, they had her kind of, you know, do like an eye rolling like, well, this guy's pretty good because it's right. Chris Candido, her real life husband. Like, But I mean, there's charisma. And then there's just having the voice, mm. you know? Sonny's got the charisma. She's not got the voice, which is yeah. just the announcing voice, yeah. you know? Like, I don't have the announcing voice. Like, you know, it's a very difficult, it's a very particular set of skills to have that. And that's why, like, the people who are ring announcers in wrestling tend to be a very random bunch of people. Yeah. Like, you know, Greg Hamilton and Lillian Garcia have the yeah. same skill set, which is weird to think. There's like, no look. No. When it comes to ring announcing. So, Sunny looks great when she comes out and she's full of fucking piss and vinegar, full of energy. She does manage, like, she's so good at just getting a crowd to go. She she does what 20 Nitro girls are, are yes. sent out to do. Yeah. She comes out, makes the crowd go, ah, yeah, now. And just kind of not go to the toilet. You know? <laughs> just sit down there. It's just a moment of brevity and then on to the next thing. And she does it very, very well. But, I do feel bad that she is out here. Mm. Like, she has good history with the Godwins in this match because the Godwins famously slopped Sonny back in the day. Right. So they were making out when the Godwins came out for this tag team championship match that she was kind of, like, perturbed yeah. by J them. JR makes a rape joke. What? what? Yeah, JR says, because the Godwins stare at her, and JR says, good thing she doesn't look like Ned Beatty who was the actor who played the character who was raped in Deliverance. Jesus wow. Christ. So he implies that the Godwins are going to rape Sonny. Fucking dark side of <laughs> this know. episode. Jesus. We got the Godwins taking on the headbangers who are the fucking tag team champions still, if you can believe that. How? And I do think, you know, it's worth pointing out here because the Godwins now have got Uncle Cletus with them. Yeah. yeah. Do anyone recognise Uncle Cletus? That's T.L. Hopper, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Uncle Cletus is T.L. Hopper is like, you know, he's, he's they're like, oh, he's like a, it's like, is he their uncle, J.R., or their cousin? Like, he says they're both their uncle and their first cousin. There was this a really funny line where it's like, on Raw, where J.R. just went, they're related. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it, like, you know. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, like, if they're able to use the fact, you know, Cletus has got a Confederate general's hat on. Mm -hmm. You know, Godwins have got now not just the Confederate flag, they've got Confederate patches on their knees and all that. Tattoos. You know, and like it seems to be fair game for Vince McMahon, who at 
point out in this match, he is from South Carolina. Yeah. You know, Vince McMahon is from the South originally, although he's pretty much disavowed every yeah. little. But um, yeah, Vince McMahon feels fine making fun of that. But like, I think it's a bit unfair just to like think that rape jokes are okay because of Deliverance. Like, yeah. I feel like Deliverance is an incredibly powerful and poignant movie that is used often and in wrestling, and is no exception as this like cheap punchline that you mm, can make yeah. a fucking quick rape joke because someone's from the South, and it's like. Why is that all right? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, there's so many other things to make fun of people who wear Confederate uniforms yeah, for. Like. So Vince McMahon, who is begrudgingly putting over the headbangers and they're not old enough to be American originals. Yeah. So he's like, the headbangers, sort of alternative rock, if you would. <sighs> Wow. I do uh, enjoy how they are repping Typo Negative yeah. uh, in their t-shirts. I'm a big fan of Typo. I like Typo Negative as well. And much like Typo Negative, I don't want Mosh to be Mosh either. I don't want him to be here. Like, you know? and, and, there, and there is another wrestling connection because they uh, did, Peter Steele from Typo did create a unused theme for Kane. He did? What? Yes, very did. true. Really? It's very good. Yeah. Oh shit, it's like right here. It appears on the bonus disc of their album, Life is Killing Me. Yeah, it's, it's that song. I don't want to be, I don't want to be Kane. I like that neither of these teams is like 100% confident in like actually wrestling a full match. Mm-hmm. And, you know, WWF don't like the tag belts. They don't like the tag division. But you're the champions. You're expected to put on... This is the tag match. Yes. You know, you're expected to put on a certain level of performance. This is a 20-minute match, folks. Let's, let's see how the headbangers do it. First five minutes, you've got Phineas trying to catch his own spit in his mouth and hand. And then Mosh just catching his own spit in his own mouth. So that was a fun and then Vince McMahon with the line of the night Phineas Godwin trying to yank Mosh off (laughs) (laughs) he's got yankers come (laughs) there's a couple of funny lines in here like uh, what intentional or otherwise Uh, I think this one was intentional but one of the headbangers gets thrown to the outside and Cletus does a clothesline and I can't remember if it's JR or Vince says you've got to think where a mountain man learned to do a clothesline Kayfabe's dead. I know. Right? <laughs> well, what happens is you just go to Spain for a little bit. Yeah. And you yeah, pick it all up legit. on the docks. Like. Thrasher, I think, is somehow worse than Mosh. He does this apron hurricane runner mm. that thankfully the camera misses the first time. And Vince McMahon is like, oh, ladies and gentlemen, what a maneuver. Can we get a, a replay? Like, Vince has got the power to get the replay. Yes. He's like, will we get a replay? Kevin Dunn is like, yes, you will, boss. Yeah, yes, I was sir. like, let's have a look at that. And I swear to God, Thrasher went into like 0.25 speed like here. There's a hideous apron hurricane runner where he manages, even though he's going like half a click a second, mm. to nearly land Phineas right in his head as well. That's literally my only observation from this match, is that Thrasher is fucking dangerous, and it yeah. scares the bejesus It was Thrasher then primarily, right? I think so, yeah. I don't know if it was just unfortunate in the fact that the headbangers look very similar, but... I cannot tell you the difference between the two. I'm pretty sure it's there's one out of the two of them that is way more cringeworthy to watch in terms of dangerous, scary spots, and I'm pretty damn sure it's Thrasher. Yeah, and that's when they come in there, it's like <laughs> wonder headbanger powers activate Ring! form of dangerous tag maneuvers mm. they come in and they dump Phineas Godwin right on his fucking head mm-hmm. they pick him up as high as they can muster and then as soon as he's at the height they go Bleh! and they drop their arms yeah. and he goes right in his fucking neck what the fuck King literally exacerbated goes 
Why does everyone keep trying to break the Godwin's necks? <laughs> Good question, Jerry. Yes, I don't Jim. fucking know. Lots of stalling. Lots of taunting. We get some Marlon Manson chat, and they're like, have you heard Marlon Manson's music? These guys, the headbangers, they just put it up on line volume, and then they come out all geeked up. And JR's like, well, I thought they were drinking coffee, but I guess they were just listening to Marilyn Manson. Because I know, like, when I listen to Marilyn Manson, I feel like I've had, like, a cup of coffee or two. Like, I go and have a long poo afterwards. Mm. It's like my two fucking uncles trying to out-funny each other, and they both fucking yeah. suck, like... It, it, just made, it just made me try and think what Marilyn Manson was out in 97. I mean, and I think uh, it's the fight song, isn't it? Vince has referenced Beautiful People before. Well, like, Beautiful People was the theme for Raw Briefly. Mm. Was it really? It was, and then again yeah. for SmackDown. Years later, yeah. And also years later, it was Maven's entrance music because they and the wrestling game because they couldn't get the theme song for... <laughs> Imagine that. Every time Maven came out in that SmackDown game, it came out to... <laughs> the Beautiful People. And then someone, the beautiful did people. In, someone had a rip-off of it in WCW. Yes, yes. And XWF. And XWF. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's been used a lot. So Manson has been taken a lot from in wrestling. Mm. But the association is not there. I think they're hoping with the headbangers that Manson might come in. Like, you know, Appear at Mania. Well, look, fuck, they got, they got Alice Cooper for WrestleMania one year, remember? Oh, shit, they did, And yeah. he was there with Jake Roberts. And it was just like, you know, he's like, he's cool and so am I. Like, oh, man. <laughs> and that's all they want. They want Marlon Manson just to point at these two guys and go, the headbangers. Yeah. And yeah. That, would, that would be their career. It he, doesn't happen. He'd, uh, he'd work well because he, he, just like a lot of wrestlers, he's got a cool stage name, but rubbish shoot name. Because <laughs> Marilyn Manson's real name is Brian Warner. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Brian. This isn't Marlon Manson talking to. Uh, <laughs> this is Brian Warner talking to Paul Levesque. <laughs> now, guys, there's a lot of things that Jim Ross doesn't like. Piercings is high up on the list. Yep. And that is why we take a good five minutes of this match to talk about how Frasher now has a pierced tongue. Oh, man. Pierced tongue? This match felt like a fucking eternity, Kevin. Uh, guys, what's the, I have no piercings here ever, per nah, se. You know, any, any piercings? I've, I had that one in my ear you for, did? For, for, a, for a country minute. And then, was that uh, when you were on Vox back in the day? No, but... no, this was like two years ago. Oh, you're it? right, it was far more recent. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember there was a point in time when we were in Lincoln, you were like, should I get two earrings? And I was like, two earrings! <laughs> <laughs> and like, I don't know when Jim Ross ended, but I think I managed to talk you out of it by pretending to be Jim Ross. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then I did have a stud in my ear until my earphones got stuck in my ear. <laughs> I was going to say until you realised that I was already a goddamn stud. <laughs> well, I, had, I had one of those ear, one of those earphones that had the little, you know, the replaceable rubber bits. Yeah, and that got in there, and then I pulled the earphone out, <laughs> and the rubber stayed in because it got hooked on there. So I had to walk around with like. <laughs> Just a chunk of rubber lodged in my ear until I could get home. So everyone who's listening to this on headphones right now, just take a second. We're really sorry. Just take a second and just have a little check and make sure they're all right there now. Yeah. They're in your ear. Yeah. All right there. There's a bit too much wax now, is there? Just be careful. Safety right. first. Okay. You good? All right. That's okay. Is this map still going, is it? Okay. Wrestling with a pierced tongue. Do you think that would have any issues with it? I don't think so. 
I mean, it's no. a bit your tongue or something like yeah, that. No, you, yeah, there's no more danger of that happening than any other tongue, right? I mean, I've known a few people who've had pierced tongues. Yeah, likewise. And, like, I remember someone, like, seeing someone in uh, my dad's surgery who'd come in, they got their tongue pierced in, like, Portugal or something like that, just, like, on a, on a, on a whim, and they had gotten an infection, their tongue Imagine had turned... An infected tongue. Yeah, they couldn't speak, so they came in, they're like, oh, blah, blah, you know? Oh. And there's another time, my friend back in uh, Galway, she got her tongue pierced, and I was like, wow, you got your tongue pierced? She's like, yeah, I got my tongue pierced, and she still got her tongue, went... It's gangster. And then she just, for whatever reason, grabbed the stud and went, Ella, and then tried to move it, and then went, Oh! Oh. <laughs> so it's just, like, okay, is that gangster? <laughs> oh, man, that's gangster. <laughs> yeah, get some outside interference here. The third man from the Godwins. We got a running cleats line by Uncle Clotus. <laughs> whatever you gotta do to get through this match right hey, he's not gonna be here next one so we might is he well. really yeah, not he's, he's, he's oh, one and done one and done I know he's pretty good like, have you seen any of the promos that he was doing no, like, he's basically just a bit like this like foul mouth like you know southerner like just he's pushing all the buttons like Vincent Man wants a dirty southern character he's doing exactly that right. like so hot tag to Mosh he gets powerbombed onto Phineas Phineas catches the stage dive into a big sit-out powerbomb, which looked fucking horrible. Uncle Cletus holds Thrasher in place. The Godwins win, finally. Yeah. I love these three-hour shows, baby. Oh, my God. All right, the match was hideous, but I loved the post-match celebration. The idea that somehow the Godwins being the tag champions is more palatable to the headbangers... But, like, there's this air of, like, as soon as they win, it's like, oh, fuck no. Because the Godwins win, and then Henry's, like, fucking slamming all the tables, going, I told you, boy! I told you! And they're beating up the fucking... They beat up the headbangers with a horseshoe. Yeah. Then they start, like, being threatened, like, we're going to take the belts away from you if you don't fucking stop. Just leave. All the referees, like, please just leave. And they've got the belts, and they're, like, fucking banging on everything. It's horrible. It's just, like... They're so ornery. Yeah. And that word is thrown around a lot. But the idea is like, you know, this fucking horrible donkey's kicking shit everywhere. Let's just give him a fucking carrot. Oh no, now he's worse. (laughs) And JR, when they're walking past, goes, get out of here. Go take a shower or something. (laughs) I love that. But this match, fuck me, man. Fucking stinker. I'm surprised that JR's never mentioned kiss your sister in relation to the Godwins because that's a very low-hanging fruit that the WWF would like to do. Maybe he thinks it's too obvious even for him. Like (laughs) Coming up next, extraordinary footage, ladies and gentlemen, pertaining to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Let me tell you about who that is. This is everyone eating stunners for dinner. That is JR, Sergeant Slaughter, Jerry Lawler, where the crane is removed at the same time. And then Vince McMahon, who gets the stunner, and we get shown it over and over and over and over. The worst stunner yeah, in yeah. history. I love it. We also get my favourite line here in this package, because it's Michael Cole narrating what's happened recently with Austin. We get the line, Stone Cold Steve Austin has no friends. <laughs> and my favourite line as well, that after... Austin stuns Vince, where JR is like, Austin is going directly to jail. <laughs> I mean, it's always talked about as a huge moment, but like, how pivotal do you think it is for the character of Steve Austin to finally lay his hands on Vince McMahon? Or is it more important for Vince McMahon as a character, the fact that now he's fair game, seemingly? Yeah, I think it's more mm. important for Vince than it is for Austin, because like, they are acknowledging that Vince is the owner. Like we said last time, they have said it an awful lot of times. It's very clear now that Vince is the head of the company. 
but it's not like I know that they've teased it a few times, but we've not had this huge build up to like he's finally gonna get his hands on McMahon. No, it's not like Vince is like Vince is just being compassionate. Yeah, it but, was just another stunner to another authority figure. Like. Yeah, I mean, it was the culmination of four weeks of stunning four authority figures yes. one after yeah. the other. And again, I hate to say it, but like WWE once again are always perpetrating is like when Vince, when Stone Cold Steve Austin stunned Vince McMahon. That's the moment right there. The, the curtains came back. And it was off to the races. Like, well, off to the races, like, three weeks before Survivor Series. Yeah. Like, I just hate that. Like, you know what? If anything, we could say, from having done all this, the Attitude Era is not a moment in an off to the races. It no. is a collection of fortuitous moments and yeah. people all together at the same time. And we don't go off to the races at once. We're constantly going to the races. Yeah, each yeah. one of those moments is always proved to be less significant than they make it out to be. Like, I mean, it's a fun, it's a fun moment from an it MSG raw. It really is. It's a terrible stunner. But really, what is it? It's buying time for Steve Austin. Yeah. You know, Austin going to jail and being arrested and all that. That's really, like, really what this is about. It's just to get Austin anti-authority things to do where he's not taking bumps. Mm-hmm. They show that shite 20 times. Yep. Vince McMahon in the ring, quite exacerbated, still very polite. Mr. Austin has got three options right now. You can either produce a doctor's note saying that you're cleared to wrestle, which I know you will not because you will not be cleared to wrestle by any medical professional. Secondly, you can simply absolve the World Wrestling Federation of any and all liability and you can wrestle at your own risk. And Fucking imagine that yeah, in this day and age. Honestly. Imagine that with Daniel Bryan's like, fine, you cannot do the mats, and then you can just go out and like, you know, see how you do. <laughs> I just love this kind of carelessness yeah. that is like okay in kayfabe. And the third option, in terms of, quite frankly, uh termination, Mr. Austin. I like this is the thing that Vincent Van goes from there to yeah. <laughs> so, quite frankly, in terms of potential Termination. <laughs> they never got over as a catchphrase that one. Nah. Like, you know, no one would leave the boardroom when Lord Sugar was dropping that on them. Like, you know, backstage, Spikel Cole with Own Heart, Own Heart, who has got his own three sixteen shirt. There it is. I have the own three sixteen shirt, and I no longer wear the own three sixteen shirt. Did I tell you about when I wore that to a couple of wrestling shows? No. I had on two separate occasions on two different shows, someone come over to me and say, "I just want you to know, I think that is the most disrespectful fucking thing. And why would you wear that?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Own three sixteen. I just broke my neck." Well, you think what? it's funny that he fell and he died? What? Like, what? No. I n- Twice it happened to fuck? me. So both times I'm like, oh shit, here I am trying to make out of the biggest own mark in the world. And all these people who obviously don't... It says don't... broke your neck. It does. I know. It does. It's so obvious what it means. Like, you know, even, I, it's very obvious. But I'm actually quite... Like, I don't like wearing it now because it's just... It's made me think like, oh, people are gonna look at that and think like, am I? Because a lot of people know Own Heart is the wrestler that died and nothing else. Yeah, we've talked about yeah, that on yeah. this and on How to. That is definitely something. So, yeah, I love this shirt. It, if anything, it's a bit overkill because it doesn't feel like something that Own Heart would do. No, and he seems. I mean, obviously, Own himself is devastated here. This promo is ill-advised, but I guess necessary. It feels out of character for Own Heart to be like, "I broke your neck," Haha. honestly, because yeah. he's not—he's re- already said, "Haha, I broke your neck." He's just saying, like, Steve Austin's a, he's an idiot. He shouldn't be in the ring. He, yeah, he shouldn't be here anymore. There's going to be a lawsuit against Steve Austin. That type of a thing. It is out of character. It is. It's really out of character. I mean, do you like the idea of the uh, three sixteen? I broke your neck thing. Like, is it in? 
in theory a good idea? It's a good bit of merch. Oh, yeah, I think it is. It's, it's good healery. It's more of a pilgrim thing, though, isn't it? Like, yeah, that's mm. it. It's like, if, if the accident would have happened by anyone else's hand, I could see it more than Owen Hart. Like, even Owen at his most heelish isn't the kind that would brag about breaking someone's neck. That's not really him to me. Like, own 316. I did it all on my own. That's a yeah. lot more like, I just know. kicked your leg out of your leg. <laughs> own 316 says, you're too damn selfish, Brett. <laughs> so we've got Jim Ross now for a lengthy segment that was another time where I stopped watching the show, came back and felt all sorts of awkward all over again. A young wrestler has died, age 35. Let's have a lengthy, lengthy chat about the legends of past and the days gone by and these titans with their legendary careers spanning decades. I mean, I'm all for honouring legends. I'd say doing it on pay-per-view is ill-advised generally. Yes. We got this said over the age 98, I believe, with the, yeah, with the Minnesota the, legends, yeah. with the Crusher and stuff like that. But this is obviously to appease the Jim Rosses and the Jim Cornettes. Literally. Group. So self-indulgent, I think, for the wrestling boys. Like I love wrestling history. Mm-hmm. And this wrestling history right here is something that I've been quite heavily involved in recently, just in terms of my own research for Ric Flair and Terry Funk, two episodes mm-hmm. in for How To Wrestling. I had a lot of research into the St. Louis area, the Briscoe family, the Funk family, all about Harley Race. You know, Sam Mushnick, Phil Mushnick, you know, the, all the, the, the NWA and all that. So, like, you know, this is for, for people like me, I guess, who mm-hmm. want to see those people honoured, but... It doesn't need to be on the pay-per-view. No. This is... Do it as a pre-show, like... Legit. Well, I don't know if this is just me, because, you know, I've said I went in and out of this, and it kind of... I re-remembered re- about the Pillman thing kind of over and over again throughout mm-hmm. the week. Is this something you could do when the wrestler has just passed away? When there's not even a tribute to that wrestler who's just died? Well, that's it. We've not had, like, a formal tribute. We've had mention of Brian's passing on the show, but we've not had a formal, like, can everyone please come together and just take a minute to remember Brian. And we waste a good 20, 25 minutes here talking about, here's all these old boys that some of you will have a great appreciation for, but a lot of you who have paid to watch this show are going to have no idea what's going on right now. Yeah, because it's 97, people are tuning in because of Austin. Exactly. Sean, all the new stuff. Half of these new, half of these people aren't going to know who any of these people are. No, you might get one or two names that will be recognised, but most of these are like antiquity. You know, it's so. I'm so Team Russo here because Russo would have been the lone voice saying, "Don't do this. It's bullshit. No one cares. They don't care about this." And you got Jim Ross opening up by going, "You know, ladies and gentlemen, St. Louis, Missouri." Here in the Phil X Spectrum, the great, great building where so many of you as, as youngsters came and watched wrestling. You you grew up with Sam Mushnick. You know, he's the promoter you all know. Like, Jim, there's kids in the audience. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's young adults. Young men are most of your audience aged 18 to 25. You're looking for a demo of people in their 40s and 50s. No one here remembers fucking Gene Kaninsky when they were a kid. JR here is Greg Turkington being given 10 minutes to do a segment on Old Guards. And it's like he thinks this is the most interesting, entertaining yeah, thing on earth. It is, and everyone wants to know about it in the level of detail that yes. I care about it. Gene Kaninsky, who gets his own video package. Canada's greatest athlete. We give him a plaque, a good dinner. It's not a whole thing. It's literally not. Why are we doing this? Uh, Jack Briscoe comes out. Yes, his own package. Jack Briscoe is one of the all-time legends. What are we actually end up getting here with all the people who come out? Because we get Kaninsky, Jack Briscoe, Dory Funk Jr., Harley Race, Terry Funk... 
we get Sam Nushnik, and we get Luthez. I think we actually get, from the mid-60s onwards, the entire lineage of the NWA title. Because, you know, it's Luthez drops it to Kaninsky, then Kaninsky drops it to Dory Funk, and then Dory Funk dropped it to Jack Briscoe. Like, it's, it's just this yeah. long line. Yeah. Like, why do we need to see fucking... Twi- I mean, it's nice. I like I like that you've got like Gene Kaninsky who's got up to Jack Briscoe like I could still take you like I like yeah. that's cool but like it's again it's not for the fucking pay per view it's really not Jory Funk Jr. looks exactly like Terry Funk here he like, does it's yeah. really amazing pop big for handsome Harry Race coming to St Louis without a gun for the WF yeah. show for the first time which <laughs> is nice and then we uh, get a sign of the audience saying Harley Race needs the Stone Cold Stunner which I think proves the point of this not being what the audience wants necessarily Terry Funk much like everyone else gets his own video package everyone gets it but Terry Funk gets it he's he's a proper badass to see Terry Funk who is one of the main attractions in ECW so they put over that he's a big deal that he's mates with Patrick Swayze and Sylvester Stallone and that he is you know and then Vince McMahon literally goes Terry Funk ladies and gentlemen ECW so that's 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 a Heyman call, yeah, right and there. And he's going to be here very soon. Yeah, very much mm-hmm. so. I think by the Rumble, we'll have Terry Funk, middle aged Ch- and crazy. Charlie. Hasn't he just had his big retirement thing where they sent Brett and Mick Foley over, and uh, Dan Stamp was there? I know that you don't want Terry Funk to wrestle anymore, but it it's time to go home to the World Wrestling <laughs> Federation <laughs> for another run. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm fucking up to my eyeballs in Terry Funk. Just, I read his book and I watched so many interviews with him. I actually forgot we were going to get a little bit of Terry because we only got the tail end of Chainsaw Charlie was gone by the yeah. second yeah. show. So I'm really excited to go for middle-aged and crazy Terry Funk. The New Age Outlaws wanted to get that old bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Mushnick and Luthez. When Sam comes out, Vince just goes, poor Sam. Jesus. I mean, he's, he's getting on in his age. He like, is. He but... looks unrecognisable from the photo. Like fucking but it's fucking Yeah, but like, there's so much time's passed, so it's obviously going to look different. But it is like, they could easily be two different people. Luthez like... is brought out as well, and Luthez is the distinction of being both the oldest and the youngest NWA champion, being 50 and 21, respectively, mm. when he won the championships. This was so fucking long... We spent 30 minutes in the middle of a pay-per-view that has, again, I don't want to sit and list here, but, you know, broken necks, contracts, unhappy main eventers, yeah. injuries. A lot of clouds over Someone's it. died. Yeah. Like, there's so many clouds, and we are spending all this time. You want to get the energy up. Yeah. What, are you not energized about the NWA in 1997? Like, this is basically so they feel that they can then have justification to do the NWA invasion mm. in 1998. We all remember how that went. It's yeah. like, fuck me. How does Cornette get so much sway? This has got to be all it. Is it just him and JR wanting this old NWA shit that there's no appetite for? Yeah, there really isn't. And so as if there's like a hole in the car where like, we got to get all this NWA shit. There's not. you got a big old roster at the minute. You don't need this. Backstage, NOD with DOK, who do not sweat Steve Austin. I love the freak said, Stoko Steve Austin's just another name. I love that. Yeah. Brilliant. Another update for Brian Pillman now. This is the most objectionable one of the night. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. An update now for you, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I don't like? That Vince looks into the camera and then just looks away in his own little world and then kind of looks back. It's like, it's either two camera or it's not. Hmm. JR had to do the announcement of fucking Owen Hart's death 
to camera right down the fucking barrel. He's basically like, he's not fucking done his homework and he's like, well, the thing about it is, and he's glancing everywhere and left. And I get he's emotional and there's a lot on his shoulders, but this is objectionable when he's like, well, ladies and gentlemen, the update, um, there is initially no foul play suspected in terms of the site where the body was discovered. However, there is now an initial suspicion that there could be an overdose involved, which is a problem in a pro sports talkology reports in seven days so we we cannot at this moment know ladies and gentlemen what then why even say it why, why? talk about this and you said at the top of this show you would not belabor the yes. point this is fucking belabored now lads and now now you're saying he might have had an accidental overdose so but it's not foul play so what you're basically saying vince is what the brian kilman's killed himself now because that's what you're really making it seem like yes. here no foul play overdose pro, the, the pro sports line that's what gets me professional athletes y'all know them they, like he's basically prepping the ground for the this is an industry-wide problem in all yeah. sports yes, and exactly. entertainment it's fucking gross it's fucking grotesque workshop that shit in your fucking cave with Patterson and Briscoe the rest of the ghoul patrol that's don't do it. it live on fucking you've, pay-per-view you acknowledged what happened and you said we're not going to go on yeah. about it and you've you, got a whole live show tomorrow yeah. where you can have a think about how you want to handle this situation and do it you, like, you said we won't know any concrete facts until tomorrow so why like, why throw out these hypotheses well we can talk now about what happens tomorrow yeah. and this mm. is something which I kind of didn't know all the facts of it. I've got to thank you, Billy, for repointing me in the direction mm-hmm. here so we were able to do a little bit more research on this. The night after Monday Night Raw, we get a tribute to Pillman. Straight at the top of the show, 10 bells salute. Vincent Mann, like, it, we did some research. We believe it's the first time that WWF had an active roster member die during, like, a weekly television show yeah. that they literally had to stop the show and say, someone has died, not part of the storyline. Like, they do say... The superstars have put their differences aside to stand out yeah. on the ramp, which is like, you know, they didn't say that for own. I think they realised that was in kind of like a little yeah. poor taste forever. But I will say the, the tribute package, which is narrated by Jim Ross, which puts over not just Pillman's struggles, but also like the adversity that he faced yes. his entire life. I mean, I don't think we mentioned Pillman, that distinctive voice. That's because he had polyp cancer on his throat, and his vocal cords. He had... Dozens of operations. Have a rough old go. You had to literally get them shaved off these yeah. polyps on his vocal cords. Like, you know, we're three men who who, who talk with our voices a lot, and that mm. does not make mm. me feel very good at all. You know, the injuries he sustained, you know, throughout his career, the car wreck, the shortfall in his football career, you know, how he made a name for himself and the style of light heavyweight wrestling. It was really, really well done. And then later in the show, after his fucking heart fell a little bit, Vince McMahon interviews Melanie Pillman, who is Brian's widow and Melanie Pillman is on her own in Kentucky in the family home and Melanie's been on screen before she was there when Pillman had a gun she was there in the house Mm. with him you know behind him rubbing his shoulders and she sits there and Vince McMahon's like what's it all about Melanie how are you feeling are you sad did Brian know and this is the thing he he signs her out with all the rumours some people are saying that it was an overdose that yeah. he took a prescription medication did you know brian to do that or some people say that brian had you know was taking too many prescription medications <sighs> now there's so many layers to this we can say off the bat vince mcmahon or anyone interviewing a grieving widow when the person has just died is really fucking horrible yes yeah. it's absolutely fucking miserable it's awkward it's uncomfortable vince makes it worse 
She looks awkward. She looks uncomfortable. It's horrible. She says a few things in it that are like striking and really shocking just in terms of the resonance when she says Brian Hillman lived for this wrestling business but he also died for this business and I hope no one else has to and fuck me this is the first of many high profile in the roster Mm -hmm. on the show like we looked at ECW a lot of people who are currently on the show like Eddie Goldberg and stuff like that or Louis Spicoli who died in the middle of it but for Vincent Man the WBF this is a bad look and it's something yeah. they're not used to the fact that this is how they handle it yeah like, what did you guys think seeing Melanie Pillman what were you what was your take on it I thought it was fucking disgusting like Billy you, you also showed us that, that like Brian Pillman Jr. gave his two cents on yeah. it and how he thought it was from her point of view it was tasteless and that she shouldn't have done it but also I just feel like regardless of her intent her motivation she got a payday for it there's often people saying like she got a payday to go and basically do this and it's it's wrong that this was like a transaction of any kind Yeah. yeah and regardless of her motivation and her reasoning whatsoever this is disgusting on WWF's yeah. part you don't fucking go to someone 24 hours after they've just lost their partner and say do you want to come on live TV and chat about it like you're a fucking entertainment show you're not a news broadcaster yeah. like, you are so not qualified to handle this yeah. kind of mm. thing and like you say Vince uses it as an excuse to like lead her through some of the more controversial things it and, like, is it's clean them it up a little bit prepping the ground where it's like Brian was like this but Brian was never like that though right like, would Brian, you say that Bri- like, Brian wouldn't have done this now would he it's, it's fucking disgusting and here's something that I don't think anyone's ever really pulled the dots together we're not patting ourselves on the back about it if we're talking about it now we're just kind of pointing out that feels that the, one thing I've noticed with season 4 is the distance between the bulk of the Attitude Era and this kind of early day and you know you're talking about a year and maybe what six months after this we have the own tragedy mm-hmm. completely different setup one is negligence one is you know one is someone's personal struggles getting the better of them to, to put it broadly let's just say with Pillman and you got to think that walls up, no communication, that strategy employed by Owen's widow, you got to think that a lot of that was informed by this here. Yeah, that, Martha, Melanie, like... that Martha looked at what happened with Melanie and saying, I ain't going on fucking TV. Yeah. I ain't going to fucking cut the legs out of any you know investigation, criminal mm-hmm. or otherwise. So that's why she said, I'm not talking to WBF. I'm not talking to the family. I'm not talking to the family because the family are all talking to WBF because they all want to get jobs back, which they did. Ellie yeah. was trying to get a job for, for, for Nightheart. You know, Diana was trying to get a job for Davey. Mm. It was happening. It was fucking horrible. And Brett laments in his book about how he was caught in the middle and all this, but I do not blame Martha one bit. I do not blame Owen's widow at all for wanting to distance herself from this company when this is how they handle yeah. a widow. Yeah. This is you the know? precedent they've set. Like, And it turns out, though, whether or not you come on and get interviewed 24 hours after, they can basically discredit and get rid of a criminal investigation anyway. Mm. So it doesn't really matter in that end. And I just think it's very, very telling. Now, I want to talk a little bit, you did touch on it there, Pillman Jr., who is someone who listens to this podcast is someone who I mean I don't know if you guys have seen and caught him in AEW or any yeah, of the stuff that he's done pieces. I mean he's, he's breathtaking I mean mm. you can look at Brian Pillman Jr. and people might think oh he's just doing kind of like an homage and all that and yeah there's a part of it that's an homage but he's an incredible athlete yeah. and he has synthesized his father's look and style into a modern product and I fucking adore it but I was blown away when you showed me the clip of him on a shoot interview mm. that he did with ORF Video talking about his issue and his difficulty with this. Now, bear in mind, Brian Pillman Jr. would have been five. Yeah, he would have been five, yeah. When this happened. 
you know, this is his his take on it and all that. And there's a lot of emotions wrapped up in this, but he was not happy with mm. with his mother appearing no. on this. What was what was the gist of the issue, Billy? Their relationship was already on its way out. So you're talking about Brian, Brian, and Brian and Melanie, Brian Senior and Melanie. Yeah. So by the time that Brian died, Melanie was already in a relationship with another man. She was going to move out. As she, well, was, yeah. she was moving out. You know, there was talks of Brian's younger sister, Skylar, whether or not Brian Sr. was actually her dad. Because, of, yeah. Because Mel- Melanie had been seeing, seeing, this other seeing this other person. So, you know, and he, he the way he referred to it is, you can see in her eyes, it's kind of like she can take that breath and move on. I mean, we can definitely say, and I'm not, I'm not critiquing grief here, but you can see why someone like Brian Pillman Jr., who's in, invested and involved in this, you know, so personally and so closely, could see how Melanie acts in that video. And he says, it's like, it's show grief. It's not mm. genuine, legitimate. Mm. I take a little issue with that just from the fact that, like, it's 24 hours and, like, you know, mm. a couple of years back, 2015, 2016, like, one of my best friends in the whole world, no, he, he died tragically. He had cystic fibrosis, he died tragically. And I was in the middle of the teacher training at the time, so I literally found it's like, your friend has died, and it's like, okay, I've got less than two seconds now, and I have mm. to go and teach, you know? Mm. And I had no time to kind of process it because there was a bit of a circus going on around me. And I didn't cry for, like, a year, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it took me a long time to mm-hmm. process it. And I remember being really depressed at the time because I'm like, you piece of shit. One of your best mates has died and you're not even crying or you're not even sad. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was in Galway or a month or two ago and I was in a, I just was happened to be driving through Galway. I went into a car park where I was normally used to go do shopping with them and I just burst into tears just because mm-hmm. it all flooded to me. And I can understand the difficulty of being aware of your grief and the perceptive level of grief you mm. should be giving in a public place. You feel the need to sort of express what you expect grief to look like. There's yeah. a million TV shows where someone's like, I've not started crying yet. You know, mm. be a better call mm. Saul or whatever. You know, the use trope that's used. People go through that. And I always feel like that's just worth bearing in mind yeah. that if you're put on live TV and someone has just died and it's this fucking media circus around you, you could be a little shell-shocked. And he also admits in, in, in the shoot interview that you know, his opinion may be tainted because he does not have a good relationship with her. But even still, I was blown away. I mean, this isn't about Brian Pillman Jr., but I just say, that's one of the most like, horrible things that's happened in wrestling. The, mm. the, the death, the handling of it, the interview with the wife. This Brian Pillman Jr., so fucking verbose. Yeah. So well-adjusted So well-adjusted, so mature. Because he revealed things I didn't know about all of this. Like, afterwards, there was a number of tribute shows that yeah. Pillman was on. Mm. Now... I don't know if you guys know this, but one of those tribute shows was how William Regal actually got his job back in the World Wrestling Federation. He wrestled right. Benoit in one of it, and it was basically, here's Regal, he's clean now, he's, he's, he's gotten himself back together, and he's had a great match, and Vincent Mann is like, sign him straight away, because he did so well. And Vince, all these people from ECW, WCW, WWF, all work on the same show. You had like Mankind, Shane Douglas, Jericho, Benoit, like mm-hmm. literally the most dream of dream matches and they were having high-end competitive matches because they wanted to pay tribute to Brian Pillman. I like that they let WWF let them do that. They didn't take a penny of it because no. that money, I always believed because that's what they said on the documentary and otherwise we raised some money for Melanie and Brian's kids so they mm. could go to college and all that. But that didn't happen. Then Brian reveals at the end of this interview that money he never saw. So the new partner was bought a new truck. There's yep. some kind of not an out and out, like, straight up, this definitely happened, but there's a belief that the yeah. money was not Brian, given to the kids. Brian took out loans and had to put himself through college. Fucking hell. Mm-hmm. 
I can just say, like, you know, I'm honestly, I was just blown away by all of that. I was blown away by the coldness of Vince. I was blown away by just how little I knew about all of this. Because mm. I've watched, you know, Pillman, I said, he was somebody in Rapture for so long. You know, I always watch the docs, read the interviews, all that. And the documentary, they're like, Jim Ross looks at the camera and goes, people are saying, Brian Pillman, died of drug overdose. And that's absolute BS. And he's like emotional. He's like, he's right in the camera. And he's like, it's BS. Brian Pillman had a heart defect and that's why he died. Anything else is BS. And that's why he died. And like, but it's Vince not, is the first person who put that narrative out there. It's yeah. not. It's not true. His dad did die of a heart attack, and you're speaking. You know, someone here is in your ear at the moment. Both of my granddads died before I was born in their fifties, similarly tall of heart attacks. As a result, I kind of live my life in a way where I'm conscious that I may die in my fifties of a heart attack if I don't, you know, keep an eye on things. So that kind of will kind of hang over you, I guess, a bit as well. But you were telling me the other day about the drug test. Yeah. And that happened only a couple of weeks before this, right? Real close to this. Basically, they there was an incident on an aeroplane where Road Warrior Hawk like passed out and no one could wake him up. Jesus. And, they, and the company immediately started panicking and was like, okay, maybe it's time we started bringing drug testing back in and start checking that these guys are not you know, doing anything bad to themselves. And they went to Pillman and they said to him, we would like to give you a drug test. And, and they started as well, like, uh, to check. Like, as if they don't know. Yeah, what, Where did you find Jim Nighthour? What was he doing? Yeah, yeah, like, legit. you know, come You're on. You're well aware of what's happening with these guys. Fucking hell. Well, they like... said to Pillman, we'd like to do a drug test with you because we just want to make sure that you're looking after yourself. And he got really upset. He was like, I thought our relationship... Trust thing, yeah. Yeah, our relationship was in such a good place. I can't believe you want to ask this of me that you don't trust me enough. But, you know, after all the protesting, they made him have a drug test and they put him through it and they found that he wasn't taking any illegal narcotics mm. or anything. Everything he was on was prescription But he was, like, on the like, upper end of the dosage but, of everything. Yeah, he was dosing himself and over-medicating in a lot of cases and taking maybe a little more than he should have done for a lot of these medicines. So, as a result, I think, and Pillman Jr. said it in the video, he says, like, it's ignorant to say that it's just the congenital defect. Yeah. What it was was that... It was the stress of the injury and the stress of trying to compete at the level he was still trying to compete at. And it was... The medication. The medication. Yeah. It was this perfect storm of, like, lifestyle and, you know, pre-existing conditions and environment that just led to the tragic death of Brian Pillman. And I'll never forget, like, reading about, you know, like, MVP said once that, you know, WWE started doing, you know, the real advanced health yeah. screening later and he they did like a electrocardiogram on him and found out that he had a heart murmur that yeah. he didn't know about and it's like if you didn't know about this you know similarly if he had been injured in on pills and then working a particular schedule yeah. he, he could have went as yeah. well you know so there's there's a lot to be said there for like do we trying to intervene but like it's the same with Perry Sarin. If like if they have power over the drug tests in any way, then it's not a drug test. It's mm -hmm. a fucking dialogue no. with a talent who you have no control over. Yeah. Tragic, tragic end for Pillman's career. I think someone who's definitely enjoyed a renaissance in that. I think Pillman, Pillman's like the Pixies. Like you know, he may not have been everyone's favorite wrestler, but almost everyone who saw Brian Pillman wanted to become a wrestler became a wrestler heavily inspired mm. by Pillman's stylings. Mm. You see that in the springboards, the work race, the synthesis of styles, the promos, the blurring the lines of what's real and what's not. I've always said it, but could you imagine Pillman on Twitter? Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh my god! Don't check your DMs, Bischoff. You're gonna fucking hate what's in there. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, I mean, I could just say in closing, like, a wrestler I was always fascinated by, you know, but I was also fascinated by the Sandman when I was a kid, and the more I learned, it's like, oh, it turns out he's not a very good wrestler. That's fascinating for a different reason. Mm -hmm. Pillman's a case study in adversity, overcoming odds, and, like, the limits of, like, what humans can actually do, and, like, just how, how much of a grind wrestling can be if your passion kind of overtakes your body. Mm. And like he's a tragic story in many respects, but I was filled with limitless fucking joy watching some of the Pillman stuff. We, yeah. we, we were just talking about like the praying thing last night at dinner and just like how goofy and how funny it is. He was only on for a few shows with Pillman right here in my fucking heart of hearts now. One of the highlights of season four so yeah. far, for sure, for has sure. been Brian Pillman. And I would say from 1997, go check out just some Pillman stuff generally like. Well, we've got Intercontinental Championship Finals now as Farouk takes on Own Heart. Heel versus heel. Woo! Yay! This show is long, baby. And Own Heart has got the new... This is the first theme song in wrestling that made me think that wrestling music could be better than actual music. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, your music changed my life, Jim Johnson. Thank you very much. Own Heart has got the distinction of having probably the most heat of anyone tonight in the city of St. Louis. And also is probably the most affected, it seems. He's wearing his heart in his sleeve, as yeah. Own often does. Fuck it, he looks more miserable than the Patriot coming out for a triple threat match yeah. here. Head down, you know, barely kind of acknowledges his shirt and stuff. He doesn't, yeah. you know, I don't blame him, you know. No. And like, obviously, let's remember, Pillman was trained by Stu. Yeah, mm. So, true. you know, the, 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 he's close to the hearts. Absolutely, close to the entire family. Like, yeah. you know, he, he had dinner there, you know, he had cat shit on his salad as well. Yeah. Like, he's part of that, that group and all the hearts are deeply affected by it and... Again, Brett, you always go, your heart goes out to Brett, all those awesome, you see all those great awesome pick of the Heart Foundation. I hate that my mind still kind of goes to, only one of those guys is alive. Yeah. But it's true. It is, you know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. really That's sad. It Immediate Steve Austin. They open lock up. Yeah. I'm out here. I got my black jeans. I got my hat. I hate Sergeant Slaughter. You stealing valor piece of trash. <laughs> he steals Vince's headset and says, I want to do color. <laughs> He's entertaining as fuck. He's hilarious. But I gotta admit, I got real fucking sick of Stone Cold. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love Farouk and Owen, and I want to see them have a match. Oh, because yeah. this is the definition of the special match for you to ruin. Yes. This own heart versus Farouk is the cake with icing and loads of random yeah. bits yeah. on it. It makes no sense. But it is I technically would, a match. But I would loved... But as soon as I saw the, 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 the tournament final for the IC Championship was going to be Farouk versus Owen, I was like... Fuck yeah. Yeah, that's a this match. This is going to be a good match. Different. Yeah. And then as soon as Austin came out and sat down, I was like, well, we're not doing this. We're not having we? that match, are we? We're not we? doing no. this, then, are we? This is the Austin show, baby. Yeah. I love when Austin comes off and Jim Ross is like, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love this idea because like, I don't know about you, but like, I know a lot of people back home particularly who had this like thing, particularly in university and school, where it's like, X, Y, and Z is my best mate, but they're like, horrible to me they'll probably yeah. like, beat me up on a night out they'll spill my pint they'll never get me a gift they're horrible they make fun of me they're always slagging me all that stuff but it's like they're my best friend though and it's like JR's got this like absolutely with Steve Steve's my best friend except he stunned my mom and he won't come around my house anymore like, <laughs> I'm scared <laughs> Austin on commentary also Austin is the timekeeper yep also Austin just cuts his head and goes alright now here we are shut up <laughs> 
He is the worst commentator ever. And Owen Hart just like starts pointing at his t-shirt and goes, Shut up, you suck! You didn't break my neck, jackass! Yeah. Yeah, Owen's making like full-on like charade, like breaking neck like yeah. motions at him. When Austin kind of like, you know, starts moving around, he goes over to the Spanish the next yeah. table. And like Jerry, it's so funny, it's like when someone rings the doorbell, like, is he gone? Go away. Go King, King's just scared to put his hat on in case he gets made fun of or whatever. Owen is often overpowered by Farouk in this match, but you know what? When it's heel versus heel, and Owen Hart has got like half an excuse to be goofy, and it warmed my heart that Owen was just being silly in this match because it's like, you know, Pillman was a silly guy as well, and this match is not about Owen's wrestling. So the fact that Owen could have a little fun here, it like it did make me a little bit emotional, the fact mm. that you know, you had Farouk do the big like shove down, and then Owen gets thrown across the ring, and then Owen stands up and just does the muscle pose. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that other than him just like trying to make himself have a good time? Yeah. Here? Like honestly, it fucking, it's so so needed. Austin commandeers Carlos Cabrera's headset, and I love this, where Tito Santana's like, let's say Stone Cold Steve Austin, loco, like, you call me crazy? I know that, I know that word. You call me crazy, you're a gringo, I know what you're talking about, Tito. I'll knock your ass out. I love that he called him Tito as well. Yeah. Because he's a former wrestler. Yeah, he so, knows that. Oh, I love that a lot. Then Stone Cold Steve Austin goes to France, and Jim Ross with the line of the night, Steve Austin is taking the focus away from this match. <laughs> you don't say. Austin, uh, having a chat about Survivor Series, getting the plugs in. Mm. It's like, tell him in French, I'm going to go there and I'm going to beat everyone's ass at Survivor Series. It's great. Rook's straps come down. Yeah, he's getting serious, mate. He, he knows that everyone's paying attention to Austin, so he's like, all right, I'm going to give him a little eye candy, get the, the crowd back on me again. Like. Farouk definitely in the bracket of people who do not need to wear straps or anything like no, that. No, he's ripped. He is. The guillotine leg drop by Farouk. Yeah. Was he doing the wrists again? <laughs> <laughs> and then who the fuck shows up? Well, there you are. Wouldn't you know it? Like, there wasn't already enough distractions yeah. from this match. Big pink fucking Kirby Jim Neidhart comes out. Like. Yeah, here's Jim the Animal Neidhart, and we've not seen him in a fucking dog's age. Honestly. Austin gets the belt, smacks Farouk, Owen picks up the win, like, right in front of the referee, all this is going on. I can't help but wondering where the nation was, because... Yeah. Farouk held them and yeah. they won and we're not teasing Descent now in fucking October are we? Rocky's just joined yeah legit where are they? but yeah nowhere to be seen Owen picks up the win Austin just walks away because they're doing the whole thing where like Austin has to hand over the belt and mm. it's like oh shit Slaughter's like sweating bullets going oh, I hope no one finds out I wasn't in Vietnam <laughs> <laughs> and he's also like oh when they hand over the belt I'm going to get stunned like that, that was obviously what people were waiting for was yeah. Austin to stun someone but no, he just basically awards Owen the belt and storms off. And everyone's like, is it Austin with the hearts now? What's yeah. going on? Owen looks delightfully confused. And then Owen, completely dazed, wandering away, looks in the camera. And I did it all by myself. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and he says it twice! Yeah. And then Anvil goes, Meh! And spanks him! Yeah. Oh my god! You know what? Fucking hell. On the darkest of fucking dark timelines, in the most miserable of fucking shows... Well, like, not miserable because of the quality, it's miserable because of the circumstance. Yeah. And these two, I was laughing, I was smiling, and they, you know, they, they all got me back here. And they got me back in a match that was completely overshadowed and underworked and underperformed. So I actually ended up liking this because of all the silly stuff that made me smile. Super entertaining and fun, especially on a show that was shrouded in darkness, but mm. it seriously just felt like a raw main event with all the yeah. bullshit going on and all the, all the distractions from the actual match. Yeah. 
How about you, Bill? How'd you get on with this one? Uh, it was fine. I, I would have much preferred to have seen an actual final. Yeah. yeah. An actual match. Yeah, an actual match, you mm. know. I feel bad. We said it before, Farouk, never getting anything. No, no love. He's been disrespected so much this season. No like, championships, no IC belts, yeah. you know. They really, it's one of my biggest takeaways from season four so far is that I'm devastated they didn't pull the trigger all the way on Farouk yeah. and give him the title. Like, I guess it's funny because like when Rocky starts rising in the nation, it's the first time the nation actually gets like all the tag belts and yeah. the IC belt and all that. And they become like more legitimate as a result. More successful. We get a recap of the Canadian burial of Vader and the Patriot. Why are these two men friends? We don't know, but the Patriot has the flu and Vader is incredibly fucked up after his match in Japan. So oh, wow, can't wait for that then. But don't worry, they're taking on two men who are grieving the loss of their close personal friends. Oh, so. and don't worry, it's a flag match. So that's going to be really fucking exciting. And the announcement, which is, I don't know if it's something that's just been decided, it comes across as it, it's like... Ladies and gentlemen, in a flag match, you've got to grab the flag of your opponent, but in this match, you can also pin or submit. And I'm like, I wonder how. I off. wonder how this is yeah, going to end. Yeah, I wonder what the finish will be. Oh, then. fuck off. Just, my blood ran cold. Why, why even have a flag match? Yeah, just have a fucking tag match if that's what you want. You have like. a flag match if you want the if you want the Patriot to win a match against someone. Like, that's yes, the only reason. That's literally, that way you can give him a win without having to have Brett like, take the, the pin or anything. And like. of course, I can't wait to see Dale Wilkes come out because Dale Wilkes, he's normally very, very nervous and not excited to be out here wrestling, but now that Dale Wilkes has got the flu and that, that voice is very... <laughs> I can't, I can't breathe through. Oh, Vince, if I don't Christ. blow my nose, I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's bad. Maybe Vader will like suck it out for him or something like that uh, and help his fellow masked man. Hey, folks, we're scrambling. So here's Los Periquez versus DOA, uh, which stands for Decker on Adult Swim. That music. When did DOA come out? There's audible groans when they don't have their bikes. Yes. yes. They walk out and people go, What a rush. They walk out here like, We're a brotherhood. A brotherhood of ramblers. The four of us, we like to walk the Peak District. <laughs> oh, imagine if they had little walking sticks. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're gonna go walk in the, the mountains of fucking Heidelberg, are you? You're gonna go visit all the old uh, sites of the Nazi the Empire. Nest. Yeah. <laughs> Just think, this is where our best friend Adolf Hitler once was. <laughs> this is literally like my, like last month my interest in gang wars was like here on the meter. Yeah. And that, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, now we're getting, this is where it really dawned on me. It's like, oh, I know nothing about the Lost Periquets and I know nothing about DOA because they've not put the time in to establish no. any of these characters. Vince mixes up all eight men. Yep. Actually, yeah. no, I, I tell a lie. He mixes up the DOA and he doesn't bother giving any of the Barico's names other than Savio. The match is going to suck. We know that ahead of time because yep. the only thing worse than an eight-man tag with DOA is an eight-man tag with DOA that has just been put together. Yeah. Savio cannot carry seven men, folks. This is not going to work for him. Barico's has got a new look and I don't like it. Yeah, it's not as cool as the, the white slacks. Yeah. Like, yeah. It does look like construction workers now. I don't know, they look like NPCs in Shenmue or something mm. like that. Like, they're going to move boxes or something like that. I um, I found it really hard to pay attention to in this match because JR keeps mentioning a wrestler called Dick the Bruiser. And I, <laughs> I, I was just laughing throughout this match, just going, Dick the Bruiser. <laughs> I, I, so I've like written no notes for this match other than, other than this is so boring. Yeah. <laughs> JR says that this will be a clothesline match. 
That's not good. Can you not bury it while it's going? I'm trying my damnedest to pay attention here, Jim, and you're just actively making me want to go to sleep right now. He knows trying his damnedest, and I'm going to say it again every time he's on screen. Samuel fucking Vega. Yeah, yeah. I'm so uh, yo, I'm so sorry. I've, I've spent so many years mocking this guy. Like all of ye at home. Everyone. Yeah, all yeah, of yeah us, we all do it. Savio is so fucking good. He's the only one giving anything this match. There's little things he does, like when he's in the corner punching and the ref says stop and he goes, What? Into his face. But like, god damn, why does no one else do that? Yeah. Or do you see his big spinny cell that he did? Yeah, yeah. he does that in quite a few matches and it's always so fucking good. Mad over the top. Vince McMahon, you like boots? Fists? Clotheslines? Then I think this action will be for you, ladies and gentlemen. I don't like any of those things. No, I need a lot more than just that to get me through it. Last month, we had the first instance of the crotch chop. This month, and it was just randomly, time-filling. I swear I've never heard the phrase before. But randomly, when, like, you know, DOA were just punching or whatever it was. And they're like, oh, the DOA, they're very, very tough. And Jerry's goes, yeah, so I like to call it the WWF attitude. That's not it, is it? Surely. I've not heard it before, lads. No, they can't have coined it in this fucking <laughs> match. Black hole attitude. I'm Vincent. Do we have to send Jerry residuals now? I'm yeah. not sure how this works. And that was the moment. Last request from DOA. The curtain dropped. <laughs> and WWF attitude. That was the start of the attitude Bad era. There. The master was there pulling strings. <laughs> you know, I always like the way anytime he uses that analogy, he's like, and the curtain comes back. He's like, oh, well, like in Wizard of Oz, when a really impressive man is there going, yes, I'm orchestrating all of this because I'm impressive and not a terrible guy going, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a shit reveal. <laughs> JR, have you seen The Wizard of Oz? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, corner spots by Los Barricas. Savio does a great bit here. The all breakers run one after the other into the corner. Then Savio does this big spinning heel kick, goes over the rope, and then goes, <laughs> Yeah! <laughs> and then they're like, ladies and gentlemen, can we get a replay of that? And it's a close-up of Savio going, Yeah! <laughs> yes, please. We get a, another replay of that. Savio's got a black belt in Taekwondo. Hey, Ooh. just like Kane. Savio facts. <laughs> And Kane facts. Yeah. All eight men get into the ring. This is this is bad. Because the early Gang Wars matches, they do like all eight men in. Hey. Then all eight men in. Hey. All eight men in. Ooh. All eight men in. You suck, player one. Yeah. This time, it's like Savio said to them, no, no, we'll hold back. We'll do all eight men right at the end. We'll save it. And they save it for the end. The mildest pops. Yeah. Like, yeah. so fucking mild. And then we just get a Tilt World Backbreaker by Crush. DOA win and just walk away. This was awful. I hate the fight style of the DOA. They're like on defense for the whole match. Yeah. Like, there's no like... I don't know, it reminds me of like watching the Sandman wrestle without weapons where it's just like men who like are acting like they're in an actual fight and that their hands hurt and they can only throw so many punches and they get beat up lots. Yeah. I don't want to see that. Not dominant in any way. Backstage, Bret Hart and the British Bulldog with Michael Cole. This was so fucking awkward. These lads did not want to be interviewed. Nope. Just like Bulldog was like, right here in St. Louis, right here, we're going to win. And so, right oh, here. lads, fucking yeah. hell. Brett looks like he's got the sunglasses on again because he looks like he's teared mm-hmm. up. Yeah, not fun. I mean, it seems like a silly point to bring up that Brett's not main eventing again. But yeah. tag match? Tag match, no title stipulation or anything. You're the fucking champion, mate. Tag flag match. You know? Tag yeah. flag match. Flag team matchup, like, mm. for the flag team championships. 
Vince McMahon talks about the stipulations and the rules of the flag match again because we're scrambling. And I'm pretty sure he did that last time because he thought the match coming next was it. And it's not. It's now. Yeah. The Canadian flag is booed as it is set up. The American flag is cheered. Hold your horses there, you ne'er-do-well. It's time for a caption, caption, contest, contest. Hello there, it's your old pals, Kevin Adam here. How's it going? Hey there, we're in the future in a post-bad blood world here, Kevin. Yeah, we're in the future, which means... We've been detained, <laughs> unlike in Vader, not in Kuwait, in our own homes. <laughs> Uh, I'm joined by the bully, Adam Bibble. <laughs> Can you believe this guy? He's smelly, he's dangerous, <laughs> he's stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's just me going up to random things in my house and like shaking lamps, like dun 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 dun, <laughs> bully. Uh, you, know. you think that's fake? You think that's fake, motherfucker? <laughs> Uh, Adam, how are you doing here? We've just uh, stopped a bit of bad blood. Uh, definitely a miserable pay-per-view to take people away from things at the moment. And uh, we're just about to come up to a bit of a flag match, it seems. Oh, yeah. Everyone wants to see the fucking champion have a flag tag match on pay-per-view. like Flag team action player. Uh, yeah, later on in the evening, bad blood, which is a show that is... My goodness, an absolute hurricane of emotions and feelings and all sorts going on, good, bad, and, and otherwise. We do, of course, later on in this episode, spoilers, have the debut of the Demon Kane himself. Yes! I can't fucking wait, Kevin. I've got my book, I've got my jid, I've got a nice big cup of chemicals, I'm so fucking ready. <laughs> And yeah, there, there was obviously a lot of viable captions that we could have went with for this one, you know, but obviously going with Kane is probably the best way to go. Now, I was very close to picking the one of just Kane coming out with Paul Bear behind him going, Kane! Yeah. But I think most of the captions would have been, Kane! <laughs> or, that's gotta be Kane. <laughs> it's... I like this because for once the image itself that we've chosen isn't really inherently funny and usually we'll pick like a goofy face or whatever and be like make a joke out of this but this time people really had their work cut out for them because this is just a picture of Kane and Undertaker stood in the ring and Shawn Michaels lying down having a little nap covered in blood. Yeah and Disney Plus has just come out in the UK so challenge accepted yeah that's what we're going <laughs> to find by any means necessary. Hey this caption contest is brought to you by another podcast within the Pod Crab family the family that houses this very show How To Wrestling Cinema Swirl and others others such as Subculture the new podcast which is an adventure through the vast array of subcultures across the globe. Join Joe from Hygie Wrestling, Jake, Ben, and Jacob as they try, emphasis on try, to educate themselves and others on juggalos, real vampires, deathmatch wrestling, and war, amongst many other topics. They don't know what they're doing, but they're trying their best. <laughs> they're the subcultured board of tourism, and they apologize. <laughs> Subcultured is available from all good places where you can find podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or make sure you check them out on the old social media at SubculturedCast on the Twitter. Adam, have you had a chance to check out any of the strange doings of the Subcultured gang? Yeah, I listened to the Vore episode the other day thinking like, I'm familiar with Vore and what the concept of it is. I think I understand this. Listen to it, expecting that maybe I'll just hear, like, a bit of a fun chat. Fucking hell, I learned so much, and I was so freaked out by what I learned. Uh, what's really funny about this is that I think there is crossover, because obviously the caption contest entrance 
big fans of The Simpsons, and mm -hmm. I've learned as well from the subculture gang that The Simpsons is one of the most war-heavy pieces of media in the history of Western animation. And I say this to you as well, as Adam is now remote recording in his Fortress of Aptitude, a homemade podcast <laughs> studio, which is essentially a duvet fort. Adam, it's a very vor setting we have here for the podcast, and I think Subcultured would appreciate that. Oh god, I'd never even considered that. It's like I'm in the belly of something <laughs> right now. Jesus. You're in the belly of the pod crab right now, baby. <laughs> Does that make me Emma Watson? Like, I'm still confused how this all works. You'll have to listen to the Vore episode to figure it out. So, yeah, lots of crossover with the world of wrestling. As we pointed out, there is some insane clown posse, juggalo-themed episodes, and a whole world of deathmatch wrestling. Check out Subcultured Cast. If you enjoy this show, you're going to have a whale of a time. Tell your friends about Subcultured. And if you have a podcast project or anything like that, a YouTube series, a website, video essays, or anything of the sort that you want to be promoted, head over to patreon.com slash aepodcast. Let us know your project, and we'll try to get you a slot here sponsoring the old caption contest. And let's go and talk about our big boy Kane, who's looking eye to eye with Booger Red himself. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to be taking some captions here off of Twitter. That's twitter.com forward slash AE podcast. And I'm over here on facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era podcast, where, hey, if you look at any of those little video snippets you see around, there's like two or three hundred, some absurd amount of them over here on Facebook. First of all, here on Twitter, we got a caption from Brian Bradshaw who says, Pictured, another under Fraser and Niles Kane dinner party goes awry. <laughs> Yeah, the past out Shawn Michaels is very much the uh, old doddery waiter coming through the front window <laughs> in a car, isn't it there? Johnny Norwood here. Well, that was wonder... <laughs> Can't do it in his voice box voice. <laughs> so I probably have to, I have to do that. Wow, John, yeah. that one. Yeah, okay. do 2012, Kane. <clears throat> well, that was wonderful. A good time was had by all. <laughs> I'm pooped. Wait a second, this guy's gotten his fucking shit wrong. Okay, he's got he's put Kane down twice. I'm uh, this I'm working for this now. Who is this? Michael Chiapar over here? Oh <laughs> Okay. I just realized well go between ninety eight Undertaker and twenty twelve Kane is literally <laughs> the fucking hardest thing. You got this big man, come on. Okay. <laughs> well, that was wonderful. A good time was had by all. I'm pooped. Yes, I should be. Good lord, what is happening in there? Aurora Borealis. Aurora Borealis? At this time of year? At this time of day? In this part of the country? Localized entirely within your hell in a cell? <laughs> yes. May I see it? No. <laughs> Undertaker! Shawn Michaels is dead, by God! No, Jim, it's just the Northern Lights. <laughs> and that, my friends, is the very definition of we got there in the end. <laughs> got Lizzie here on Twitter with, I thought you were dead. I thought you were dead. Well, dang blasted, isn't anyone in this dadgum wrestling ring dead? Well, I didn't want to cause a fuss, but now that you mention it... <laughs> And here I was thinking for a second that we wouldn't find appropriate Simpsons. Of course we'd find appropriate Simpsons. Like you said, Disney Plus is out now, Kevin. Everyone's got the means to do the research. And you know what? I appreciate that none of you cropped your captions as well. I thought that was very... 
very good of you to not do that, you know? <laughs> They're in four by three, these captions, the way they were meant to be. Classic. That's the way the captions are meant to be, Adam. The only exception is if we got a Super Game Boy bracket around the sides or something like that. <laughs> uh, we got one here from Harry Green. Uh, Mr. Michaels, you have a little something on your, on your face? <laughs> just been eating some moose (laughs) (laughs) cultured pilkington here on twitter who i believe is chris pilkington longtime friend of the podcast who made several remixes for us back in season one oh man the i I tell you what i hear his name and i get nostalgic for for a bygone era of 2013 We, we need to get some more pilkintron remixes up in this okay so this is chris pilkington's caption and that's the last time I'll... Sorry, one more. Let's try and make the distinction between Undertaker and Kane is so difficult here. Like. Yeah, I'm basically actively avoiding any ones where it's like, Undertaker, Kane, Undertaker, <laughs> Kane, Undertaker, Kane, Vince McMahon, Shawn Michaels. No. <laughs> okay. Undertaker. And that's the last time I'll ever have Hell in a Cell match involving bad blood. Cowboy Bob Orton. <laughs> Hold my hepatitis beer. <laughs> 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 uh, and hepatitis beer is the most funniest, most problematic phrase you'll hear tonight <laughs> on the podcast. We've got a really good one here from Steve Clark that is a two-man caption for sure, so I'm going to need your help with this one, Kevin. Okay. Another Simpsons one. <clears throat> Mark. Glenn. You look just like, except you got a little less and a little more. That was what, that's what we call a simulcast uh, in the business there, folks. <laughs> Billy Dieball here. Shoulders back, chest out, at ease. <laughs> now, if you're having difficulty with the KGM workout, just check out what Sean is doing in the modification zone, because he's doing it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like how he modified it there. He made it a lot easier for Yeah, sometimes in the middle of a yoga, you just got to lay down and you've got to get blood all over your face. It's easy. You just get color and you'll feel much cooler. Oh, man. Kevin Schofield here on Twitter with one that like, you know, if there's more references like this, I ain't complaining. Kane, at last, we see each other plain. (laughs) Monsieur (laughs) Le Maire, you wear a different shade. Oh no, I was really hoping for the whole thing to kick off. <laughs> Before you say another word, Undertaker. Well, it absolutely breaks my heart because, like, you know, with the situation being as it is, we don't know if there's going to be live shows this year. And yeah. obviously, in the How To Live show, we did a lot of musical stuff. Yeah. And I wanted, I, I've been, like, thinking all year about new musical stuff. I'm not going to lie, Lay Miz did feature prominently in the plans. Someday, Adam, someday. Honestly, just look. Just that alone, the confrontation with Undertaker and Kane, like, it would be so fucking perfect. <laughs> Except that Kane has to have Javert's voice, so he'd be way too... <laughs> I am the demon, Kane! I was forged for the fires of hell! I am the devil's favorite demon! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Dumbass! Fuck it up. We got one here from Jake Burden Stoko. Came boy, were you raised in a barn? I was forged in the fires of go and reattach that goddamn cell door now, boy. You're letting all the goddamn warm air out. Ain't gonna be no hell cell now here, boy. Gonna be this dang cold hell freeze over, boy. Owen Davis here on Twitter. Kane steps into the ring. 
faces down the Undertaker, slowly removes his mask. Well, basically, I disguised myself as Kane to sneak into this picture, because I think we need more Triple H in the caption contest. <laughs> That's not Shawn Michaels. It's a buddy of mine. <laughs> I'm just saying Shawn Michaels should follow in the footsteps of Sting to be one of the only people to remove a mask to reveal himself yes. underneath. Eddie O'Keefe here. You gotta tell them what you saw, Sean. But I'm scared, Mark Garnagal. You gotta do this one for me, Sean. Mark Garnagal. Okay, for you, Mark Garnagal. Well, Mark Garnagal, Sean is dead. And then, and then we had a reply to that tweet from Calamari Quatch King who says, Hey, can't you see I'm trying to chew my tobacco here? <laughs> oh, God. Right, and no one can disagree with this. WrestleMania 21, Booger Red being Dirty Harry. That's Mark Garnigal, right? That's yes, exactly it is. Absolutely. Mark Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. I'll tell you what, folks. The old caption contest got a lot harder since Facebook decided to stop sorting anything in any way, shape, or form. Hey, I don't want to sort things, Kevin. I want to see it the way Mark Zuckerberg wanted it to be seen. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Great one here from Tony Stark. Best pure striker, Mark. The only thing you've ever struck was the match that burned down my home. <laughs> and then Paul Bear says, That's right, he's a murderer. <laughs> oh boy. Michael Vagnafor here. Sean was just the appetizer, but now it's time for the main course. Soup. <laughs> finally, a little bit of Jid reference going on here. Hey, finally something that combines your love of Jid with my love of soup. I'm very happy about this. <laughs> Tristan Carroll, in this elaborate game of Don't Wake Dad, the role of Dad is being played by Shawn Michaels. <laughs> Kyrie Crawford here. According to the mythology of WWE, the twin gods Taker and Kane sprang forth fully formed from the belly of the giant Shawn Michaels. Hey, more four for subculture! Everyone wins! <laughs> <laughs> Stu Robinson. Shawn Michaels liked nothing more than to see how long he could balance his Kane and Undertaker figures on his tummy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that where people play with the perspective a little bit, like that one time where someone said that Shane McMahon had a gym bag for a hat. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Morn. Why did I stare at the Undertaker? Because I am his brother! <laughs> Tim Poultney. He's my brother, but doesn't he look almost exactly like fake Diesel? <laughs> well, it is fake Diesel. Are you fake Diesel? I feel like I know him, but sometimes my arms bend back. <laughs> the fuck with poor Al Shawn Michaels in 96 and they're like look Shawn it's a new razor and Diesel don't be doing that how <laughs> fucking fusing was this <laughs> probably the reason he was fighting Brett is because he thought it was some new Brett for him to beat up or something like that I didn't think it was actually Brett Hart like come on that's why he lost his smile when he finally found out that wasn't actually the real Diesel and Razor he'd been hanging out with for the last year. <laughs> Adam Ian Lester here with a caption that resonates so much. Prepare yourselves for collective chills to run down any spine of a would-be oh backyard slash living room wrestler. Okay, 
We tell mum he fell. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I've been in Sean's position here overhearing the plots, like, overhearing the cover-up, like, as I lay down. <laughs> Carl Hutchinson here. Kane. Did you burn down the funeral home? Undertaker. No, it was Paul. Kane. Oh, okay. Okay. And it's a picture of Larry David, like, <laughs> head tilted back, looking down. Like, pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> Jack Berent, moments later. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime girl. <laughs> Philip Goad. Okay, Taker. I'll do anything to get this over with. Tombstone me a bunch. Set me on fire. Tell them to end my title reign after one day. Just please don't tell them about Katie. <laughs> I got one or two here. I think we'll uh, nicely round us off here, Adam, okay. in the caption contest. We got crazy amounts of captions, by the way. Over 300 here on Facebook. Absurd! Yeah, seriously, this has been one of like the biggest caption contests ever. I can't thank everyone enough. This has been really good. And as always, if there's upcoming episodes or things that we're doing which we've announced, we'll always attempt to do a caption contest, if applicable. So let us know. If you're watching the shows ahead of time or know of any great images, do always let us know. Send us a message on Twitter at a podcast or Facebook.com slash Attitude Era Podcast. We got one here from James Michael. You think this is about sexy boys? <laughs> and then lastly, from Joe Merrick. You've done it now. You've gone and broke that cage with force. And I'm going to frown, because next year I'm going to get divorced. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One there for the uh, longtime Smackdown crawlbackers yeah. there. Well, Adam, I've had a whale of a time looking at what I have to say was one of the one of the most diverse groups of captions ever. This was a, a great image. Sometimes the iconic imagery lends itself best to comedy. Who would have thought? Yeah, I think we've learned a lot from this. And I've got to say, yeah, big variety, a lot of heavy-hitting ones. This is maybe one of my favorite caption contests ever. And that is not with Kane Bias speaking there. That is just the truth. Well, there you go, folks. Well, thank you, everyone, for all of your fabulous captions and hilariously brilliant standard as always. And if you are looking for another piece of audio content to check out during the times we find ourselves in with extra time or extra need for content, Subcultured, check them out on all good podcast source or Subcultured Cast on Twitter. Hey Adam, I know that it seems like we're having a great time, but do you want to go back and watch Dale Wilkes and Bret Hart wrestle the most fucking horrible shit ever? Oh, don't make me go back there, Kevin. I don't want to go. No, I'm sorry, but like all of you who are sitting around playing Animal Crossing, we just simply have to go back in time. <laughs> Off we go. <laughs> Physically damaged men versus emotionally damaged men. Who will suffer the most? The fans. Yes, yes. the fans. Doc backstage with Vader and the Patriot. The Patriot, apropos of nothing... Cuts a fiery promo, looking right down the lens of the wrong camera. Yeah, I, like, I don't. Oh know. come on, Bill! What the fuck? <laughs> I thought there was a possibility he was reading his lines off cards, no! like, like, like Brando in Godfather. Oh. We're live, pal. Yeah. Ironically, though, Patriot does talk like he's got an orange in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> like, <you know>. <laughs> <laughs> Vader. I don't know what's going on with Vader. Is Vader emotional, or has Vader just been told you got time to kill? The best there is. The best there was, 
the best there ever will be. What a bullshit. Are we gay? Vince got yeah, we yeah. would like to apologize for the remarks of Vader. Classless remarks. We'll send him back to Kuwait. No, uh, <laughs> no Paul Bearer with Vader now. Like, no. Vader's been kind of thrown in. It's funny, it happened during those dog show Friday Raws. But Vader like wrestled Brett a couple of times. Yep. And he like we wrestled him like where I look he had him beat and then he had an EQ finish because the, the Heart Foundation ran in. Mm-hmm. So like Vader's just kind of like faced by by, I don't know, by, by law of averages because he's been beaten up by the Heart Foundation so many times now. But, like, he's not with Paul Bear. They don't really explain why he's no longer a dumb, stupid, idiot bully no. that we should hate. Mm. So, like, Vader's now being one of these guys who you can see the flip-flopping is going to hurt him once we get into 1998. Because this man is one injury away from being, like, completely forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he's been taken for granted big time. Because what the fuck is this? Chemistry is what sells tag matches. Vader and the Patriots? Honestly. They look so awkward together. Not, they're not charismatic men. No. Vader it's... is charismatic in unto himself, but Vader is like, Vader is an island, like, yeah. you know, I'm just saying, because Vader is just like, he is he is his own thing. Vader and someone else, no. The attraction is Big Van Vader. He's the guy, like, yeah. you know? I don't, you don't put him with people. No, and even if you did, it's not enough of a mixed match to sort of make it, like, fun or like, oh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, That'll be good chemistry. Put Vader like, with a little guy. Something you know? like that, you know? Vader and Brian Christopher, I'd rather see than this. Like, they, Vader and the Patriot is just nothing to me. Because he did, like, not even play up the patriotism thing. Like, they say, like, no. Vader and the Patriot, what have they got in common? Well, they're American. both American. That's it. But they haven't got them saying, like, you know, like, but they had before in Cade and Pete where it's like we're going to stick together because we don't like you running down America Paige is still like kind of hey you want to make fun of America that's cool man I'd rather you didn't but you know I'll say some nice things about Canada you know, and Vader if, just doesn't like Bret Hart is all it is like, yeah. he couldn't give two fucks what Bret thinks about America and Bret like, just doesn't like anything at the moment no, really, no. Like, least of all the WWF uh, the match is the worst Bret Hart match I've ever watched this is dreadful this is dreadful it is Beyond parody how bad this is. I didn't think it was possible for this collection of people to have this bad a match because like there's people like Bulldog's decent, yep. you know, Vader's decent, you know, Patriot, he can go, he can be brought through and yeah. he's he's not like a thrasher or someone where he's gonna like fuck everything up. Yeah. He'll get you there. No chemistry, nope. no plan. I know Brett shows up late best of the times, but Brett was just I don't think this had any any plan at all. No, definitely no plan. I genuinely think the reason why we have this stipulation for the end finish, which, spoiler alert, happens exactly the way that we said it would happen. What, a pinfall or submission? Yeah. yeah. I genuinely think it happens. I think the flags are too high up. They do look awful hard. Yeah. Even when Vader's on the top turnbuckle, there's a moment where I'm like, if he put his arms up... And Vader's up, tall. Like, if he put his him. arms up, he, I don't think he can reach the flags. No. I genuinely think they've realised last minute, if someone's up there, they can't reach the flag. Jesus Christ. How do we do the US-Canada feud and we finally have a flag match? And yeah. this finally. is the fucking debacle that we yes. I, I really don't think the flags are in a, a, a decent reach. Well, we stay away from the flags for most of the match because we get around 10 good minutes of stall on the outside where there's heat each other with their flags and sticks and like you get that depressing thing where it's like you'll get the baseline reaction from the fans because of the star power but mm. once the fans realize that Bret Hart and Vader and Davey and Patriot are not going to give you a show yep. they just yeah. stop caring there's a bit where Bulldog whiffs the Patriot with the flag 
the actual flag, not the but flag. The material, like. the material, like wafts him a bit, and then the Patriot sells it. Well, it's like yeah. silver, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> how would you like the taste of that silver? And how would you like the taste of this small burger? Learn the secrets of my life. Boy, <laughs> you are mixing references left and right. <laughs> <laughs> There's loads of low blows in this, and that's just like straight up dick shots. Yeah. Like, yeah, the blindest referee. Oh, I thought it was just the extra, the, the latitude of the No, referee, there is, there's like... officially no DQs in this. They've said, okay. hence, hence oh, right. all the weapons and yeah, all that. Okay. Did you catch the big back body drops by the Patriot? No. It was basically like he ran and he put his face and head into your stomach and went, and you had to like roll over him. Mm. No lift. (sighs) This man is a fucking, the definition of a frail whale. Like, you know, he is a hollowed out tank of a man. Low blows are plenty. We got a nice spot where Vader does a big squat on Brett. He just flat out sits on him. Rikishi style. Yeah, like, like very yeah. rare. Anyone's actually willing to take that move. And yeah. Brett's there with the hands crossed over so his heart doesn't fucking stop. Patriot does this drop kick. Mm. Bob Holly backstage fucking break Tear up every piece of furniture in the locker room. He gets the height, the agility, the flip. It's like literally like watching a swan dive. But he manages to fucking land horrifically he clips the top of his opponent's head mm-hmm. he lands right on their face afterwards it is like the man spent hours and years practicing drop kicks against no one and then just did it against the person for the first time here yeah it was so fucking horrible and then he follows it up with what Vince McMahon refers to as not really much of a cover there <laughs> and if Vince McMahon is picking apart your painting combinations yeah. Call it a day, lads. You ain't going to be on pay-per-view for much longer, no. mate. Well, the Patriot has had a whole month to learn how to do the sharpshooter and manages to do it fucking worse. Brett puts Patriot in the sharpshooter and I was... I could not... I had to rewind it because I couldn't believe this. The Patriot reverses the sharpshooter oh my gosh. into his own sharpshooter. Like. That is a spot which I'm pretty sure they kept for Owen and Brett the first time. Yeah. Where Brett was like... You know, no one ever escaped the sharpshooter. No, it's no one ever move. got out. And then own or whoever it was. I know the other thing where Austin was the first person to muscle out of the sharpshooter, yeah. literally with strength. Power. Yeah. But I remember the other thing where like own was able to reverse it, and it was like shit. He knows the secret move. Yeah. You know. But the Patriot the knows. Patriot. He knows how to turn it into the worst sharpshooter yeah. ever. Where'd you learn that line? Brett doesn't even care enough to protect his own move. That's it, yeah. That's how apathetic he is, is he won't put up the. He won't resist the idea of the Patriot reversing yeah. his fucking special I mean, move. You say that, but you know he's grumbling afterwards. He's you bound know, to you know he's not happy. It's somehow Sean's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I say the Sean got in the Patriot's ear, but. Uh, I do not actually have any ear holes on my mask, so it's very difficult for me to hear uh, words or any spots at all. I'm not even sure my call name to the ring actually is. I did enjoy Brett getting headbutted mid sharpshooter. Yeah, he's mm. got the Patriot in a sharpshooter, and Vader just walks up to him and just headbutts yeah. him. Patriot goes for the flag, takes a spill to the outside, and then shades of Putski from last month. And the fact that like he froze when he hit the ground, like, yeah. oh no, big man, Please don't be not. doing this to me. No flow to the match. Here's what happens. You've added in pinfalls and submissions and you still have the flag thing. So yeah. the original match has still got the spots. It's like, Vader's going for it. But then Vader will come in and do the Vader bomb and like, near fall. Yeah. And these happen one after the other. And it's like, there's no flow whatsoever. No. There's no thought about what the fans want to see or who is gaining momentum. Awful. Fans are confused. The ref's confused. I'm confused. Brett does the sharpshooter on Vader, I believe, just to show off to the Patriot that he can do it really well yeah. on anyone, which is yeah. very impressive. Loads more interference. The match doesn't get thrown out or anything. 
they just stop tagging as well at yeah. one point. Yeah. Don't give a fuck. Patriot's like, it's my part now, and just walks in. Yeah. You know, what the fuck? He gets the figure four, and the most impressive spot of the match, Vader solves. Uh, yeah. Vader went yes. up top. Yes. And very, very nearly lands 100% upright. Yeah, on his feet. Like mm. he, he, it's, it's, I'd give it like a 95%. The thing is, if, if Vader had seen some like superhero movies, and like, the way he landed, if he just looked up afterwards, yeah. he'd be like, oh, and they'd be a big, like, kind of a yo. Because when Vader lands, you want it to be big, like Dragon Ball Z crater like in the ground. Yeah. smoke. You know, yeah. being like a you know, Neo Tokyo gap, like, you know, where <laughs> Vader has landed. Oh, God. They do a hot tag to the Patriot when both of the heels are already down. Yep. And Patriot comes in. They're already down. Yeah, what the fuck are you doing, mate? More low blows. Brett uses a belt. We get Uncle Slam. A fucking fan runs in. I, yeah. I mean, the wheels are falling off the car, lads. And you know what? This match should be preserved in history, just showing you it can happen to anyone. Because mm. you never would have thought this could happen to Bret Hart. Yeah. Like, Bret, Ric Flair. Like, I wouldn't say Shawn Michaels. Because Shawn Michaels is the type of person who I think his own ego or at certain points in time would allow him to say, well, fine, we're sabotaging the match then. Yeah. And he has done that. Yeah, yes. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> He's been there. Yeah, exactly. But here, nah, man. We got a Vader bomb, a reverse roll-up, Bret wins. And then they have, like, Patriot do a beatdown on Brett, which just, like, no reaction makes him seem like a sore loser. Yeah, legit. He's a fucking baby. Very shortly after this, he's injured, and then it's like, well, we'll see how you do when you get back. And by the time this man is recovered, there's no Brett, there's no Heart Foundation, no one gives a shit about US, Canada, and we are in a WWF that has no space Mm -hmm. for a character like the Patriot. Mm -hmm. Because say what you will about the Patriot, great luck, flash in the pan, lots of potential... Even if he hit every single mark along the way and he outperformed every expectation, what were you doing with the Patriot when Steve Austin was the top guy in 1978? Yeah. Mm. I do like the idea of a heel Patriot, like doing like a Bob Backlund, like, you know, I don't know what's right for America and it's not Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, that would have been fun. Yeah. I think Austin just completely chumpetize him, but I don't think Dale Wilkes had a space in wrestling. No. And this is, you know, worth pointing out that for every amazing signing that Jim Ross did, I think he's one of the most amazing men ever in terms of signing talent at the right time mm-hmm. when they were just about to hit, like, he signed Edge and Christian before they were even properly fucking ready yeah. to go. You know, yeah. he, he got Lita, he got Trish, he got all these big names before they were ready to go. But he got Dale Wilkes long after he was in his prime. Yeah. yeah. It's a gimmick for the 80s. Yeah. It's not a gimmick for 1997. Yeah, because WWF struggled to do patriotism in the 90s. Yep. In, the, in the middle of the US versus Canada feud. Think about that for a second. And then you realise the Patriot is one of the most ultimate misfires in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. Same time. Big gas works gang war spot now for Survivor Series. I kind of like this a lot. It did get Same. me jazzed up. Yeah. It's getting me excited because I feel like this is obviously where gang wars must be headed, right? Yeah. In Survivor Series, we're going to get presumably all of them. Truth Commission, yeah, the Foundation. Truth, we're not going like, to get the Truth Commission here. We're not getting It's them. now or never, lads. Like, oh, I will let you know that you will be seeing the Truth Commission yes, at Survivor yes, Series. Yes, yes. All gangs will be present yes. and accounted for oh, There's going there's to be so many District 9 references. <laughs> <laughs> no, they hate prawns, you know. Lads, is there anything more in 1990s than the transaction where you can give in a physical cable bill in exchange for a dog tag? That is the most 90s 1990s transaction yeah. ever like <laughs> fucking hell the only way it would like it would even be more 90s is if you, if you had to feed the bill into a machine turn a crank 
and it becomes the dog tag. It yeah. presses it yeah. into the tag. <laughs> and then afterwards, when you get it, it says, dog tag in the house. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, it's made of end time, folks. And now it's time to put over the sadistic Val diabolical structure. It is custom built for injury. Injury, except we don't have any of these sound bites. So instead we get, this structure is over a ton in weight. There is a roof. Yep. It is reinforced. <laughs> in any place, there may be a malfunction or break. <laughs> That's not a good thing. Yeah? Didn't you hear Jim Ross over a year and a half ago, Mick Foley? It's fine. Get up there now. <laughs> Go on. It's grunge. I love how they've pitched this. Sean Mackles has put himself in this situation. Yeah. yeah. It's your fault, Sean. You made this mess. You've done it now. You've got to make a big, big mistake. mistake. And I can't allow you to think you can't be in a Hell in a Cell match for bad blood. Backstage, we got Doc and HBK. No DX. All right, Sean. Obviously, all the talk is over with. Your illustrious career on the line in moments. Because only one man is going to walk out of the Hell in a Cell. Best I can tell... There's some good news, and there's some bad news. The good news is, this match is not for my coveted European Championship. That will stay around the waist of the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Now, the bad news. 15-foot-high steel cage. No way in, no way out. Well, there is one way. Through a locked door. Once I get in, once the Undertaker gets in, it'll be locked behind me, troops. I think I'm gonna have to go this one alone. If it weren't for my wonderful athletic ability, the fact that I'm tougher than nails, the fact that I'm the man here in the World Wrestling Federation, the fact that I'm the showstopper, the headliner, the main event, is the only thing that's gonna get me through this. That and the fact that I am the most tenacious man in the World Wrestling Federation. And the fact of the matter is, ain't nobody crazy enough to do this gig, except for the heartbreak kid. So I'm gonna go out there and show you why I am the number one guy in this business today. And Shawn Michaels is low energy here. Not low energy enough to forget to diss his newly won European Championship. As we discussed at One Night Only, that was the most fucking dark-sided and miserable European title win you could possibly come up with. What a fucking shit show. I don't know, I feel like I want to get that European title now, restore order to it. Legit, you know? yeah. It's fucking miserable. And so yeah, he goes through all that darkness to have him have the belt, and now he's here, like, just not giving a fuck about it anyway. Doesn't give a flying flute, but you know what? You wouldn't tell from the low-energy promo that we're about to see what is regarded to be one of the greatest matches of all time. Legit, Man. I couldn't believe this was the promo Sean decided to give for the first ever Hell in a Cell match. Like, yeah. he's acting like it's a big fucking joke. He didn't even put over the roof. No, he didn't <laughs> even mention the roof. Okay, before we get into it, quick question. Had you seen it before, nope. Adam? Billy? Nope. Oh my god, I had seen this before and I'm really excited to see what you think about it. Mm. So let's get into it now. Main event time, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. Hell in a Cell, the winner of this match will be facing Brett the Hitman Hart at Survivor Series in Montreal next month. Under the glittering glare of the WWF spotlight, his image has been cast in the role of superstardom. But for Shawn Michaels, image isn't everything, it's the only thing. Perception is reality. I've continued to step to another level. 
Plus, it, it really makes people mad when you're sort of a jerk and you don't perform well. And again, that's just and that's just something. Again, it's just about it's just about stirring the pot. It's about ruffling feathers. It's uh, may not be fair, but when left up to me, I will probably not do the right thing. Now, however, that image and more importantly, his attitude have been dramatically altered. My God, what a shot to the face! Look at the chair. The flamboyant, charismatic, high-flying superstar who once captured the hearts and imagination of all who followed him now feels differently about his followers and apparently himself. He now stands in a different light, one that burns just as brightly, but reveals a harsh glare under that once cherished image. So let me get this straight. You, The Undertaker, and the best that I can tell, all of the fans of the World Wrestling Federation are dumping this in my lap. Uh, yeah. It's just like all the fans of the World Wrestling Federation to not take responsibility for themselves and pass the buck on to the heartbreak kid because everybody knows I don't give a damn what anybody thinks of me. His actions have spoken even louder than his words. But both have been ferociously delivered towards one man. I want you to bring your dead ass Whoa. out here and face me like a man. That's right, the heartbreak kid. The scenario has created more than bad blood between him and the Phenom. It has delivered an ultimatum that will be answered one way or another in horrific fashion. Ooh, that recap package with the royalty-free YouTube music for HBK. Shawn Michaels is a bastard now. Literally, <laughs> that is the essence of this package. Sean has become a dickhead. <laughs> and hold on a second there, Adam Bimbo, because I'm not really a bad guy now. You see, the thing is, I've just realized that people find Shawn Michaels in a certain light a little bit of an asshole, so I'm just going to keep being me, if you know what I mean. Please, someone stage an intervention for this man. He's ruining everything. <laughs> that, that stipulation just made me think, you know, like imagine if Taker went on to face Brett at Survivor Series because... That shit would not have happened under Taker's nope. watch. No, it really would if not. If Taker was told, you're going to do this, he would have not done Absolutely it. Absolutely. I thought Sean back there taping his fist. I'm just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Sean Michaels, not a heel, or not a good guy or a bad guy, according to himself. Mm. He's the guy. No, didn't did even get to say that. Like, you know, he just says uh, he's standing in a different light. He's like, I understand that because I'm so talented that if I you know, say certain things or do certain things, that people get a little bit riled up. This is the fucking promo for Hell in the Cell. Legit. Shawn Michaels is explaining. In professional wrestling, there are good yep. guys and yeah. bad guys. And quite frankly, this is an antiquated... I mean, come on, fuck that. 
It's the fucking Hell in a Cell. You're going to be trapped in a big cage with The Undertaker. Put it over, for fuck's sake. And you wouldn't mind as well. Sean's doing this where it's basically like, don't worry, lads. It's not like... And this is up from, like, Shotgun that they're making sure that you see now. Just yeah. so you know that Sean's not really a bad guy. He's just in a different light and playing you up a little bit like a fiddle. Him and Triple H... Rick Rude in China have again had another month of killing Undertaker yep. over and over again. And I kind of feel there's a little bit of disservice to Undertaker where we said that, you know, other than the Giants or whatnot, he hasn't got like laid out quite as often as this over and over and over again. And then Sean's like, I'm not doing it because I'm bad. I'm doing it just to kind of rile you up a bit. I'm actually an all right guy. Mm-hmm. Own it. Like, you're a bad guy now. Yeah. You're fucking killing the Undertaker. Say it. Like. It's your role. Sergeant Slaughter walking around the ring, checking for, according to Jim Ross, allies and passages. He's got a little torch. He's got a yeah. little flashlight. He's just looking under the ring like... <laughs> Hang on a second. Yeah, no, there's, there's no one who was actually in the Vietnam War underneath there, so <laughs> no, I will continue. Oh, hang on a second. There's someone there. I'm going to steal their valor. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's just like, you know, all these tombstones turn to dust and he steals all their valor. Like, a valor vampire. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you know, instead of snake eater, he can be valor eater. Like, <laughs> Okay, now, I feel really bad last month. And possibly every other month I've ever gotten you to do it. So I'm going to say right now, Adam, main event time. Why don't you take us through this little boy I can't now? believe I get to call this fucking hey! main event. Like, this is like my birthday or something. This is fucking lovely. So Shawn Michaels has got a lot of mates with him here, Adam, huh? Yeah, he's got a lot of mates, but they will not be allowed inside because there's a roof on it. You know, obviously, if yeah. it's a regular cage match, you can have as many mates around as you want. I but... mean, you have China, Rick Rude, Jared Dapperdo. Like, he's got <laughs> quite the entourage. <laughs> I have, I've said it before, like, particularly in our ECW episodes, but the big entourage in wrestling it's a, such an easy way to get me invested give mm-hmm. like five goons the more random the better and have yeah. them come out with someone they're a big deal I love that AEW gives like the corner men and the seconds and all yeah. that that's so fucking cool I don't think there should be a door on the Hell in a Cell <laughs> well, I how? think they should both start in the ring oh, and, and lower then it. be lowered Agreed. onto them there should not be a door the whole gimmick is there is no, no way out there is no escape but and you've every still got Hell in a Cell they, they somehow get out yeah. have they ever done that where the two come in the ring and they lower the cell around them I yes. swore uh, that was Hell in a Cell end of an era right with the yeah. fortune fame yeah. mirror vein so they did it for that one but there was still a door on it like I saw it when that Hell in a Cell was lowering the idea of like Sandman running through like 70,000 people go shit that's my cue <laughs> and there's drinking <laughs> shotgun in the beard <laughs> there doesn't there's no reason for there to be a door no I think it's because it's the first one and we all know from the time Seth Rollins nearly pierced his foot on a spank yeah. that these can be quite a dangerous thing to pull off I guess and as well that Hell in the Cell had that special construction so that half the people in the arena couldn't see yeah. to actually lower the cell down. So I'm not sure if that's normally doable. Michaels is referred to as a rat in a trap. Yeah, well, he basically is. Like, even though his fucking... I hate that promo he did at the start where he basically didn't put anything over and he just made out yeah. like he's too cool for it. Mm. As soon as that door is locked behind him, he is, like, pissing his pants, terrified yeah. of The Undertaker. He looped his entrance again. Again. I mean, don't do the big long rock intro if you like your song's not long enough. Legit, yeah. Fireworks go off though this time. Yay! <laughs> big storm at the start of the Undertaker's music, which I <laughs> Rest in. <laughs> <laughs> 
non-existent Kane chat in the weeks before this. Yeah, I love that. I love that Kane is sort of like, they've done it perfectly where you've just had enough time to forget about the Kane yeah. thread. It's, it's like, just a good horror monster. Like, yeah. You know, you get to the point in the movie where there's a little bit of downtime and you have mm-hmm. one month where you don't think about it and then boom, here he is. That's it. Fucking love us. So straight away, Taker is dominating. Like the first five or ten minutes of this is just big boots, shoulder tackles. He goes for old school really early on. It's very much obvious that it's like, this is Sean's punishment. Like, yeah. he made this mess and now he's getting what he fucking deserves. Mm. Like, And that's one of the most cathartic things to watch in wrestling. It's just like absolutely. someone get it. Sean's so good. He sells every aspect of this cage. He... Yeah. Between every spot, he looks up. Yeah. And he keeps looking around, like, kind of like it's so what, it's so big. Like, yeah. how, how do I get out? Like, surely somewhere there's a hole. Like, you know, I love that. He gets it over. And, like, so many times you have the Punjabi prison, they're, like, looking at their shoes, embarrassed to be in there, like, you know? You know what? Before we go any further in this match, I'm going to say as well, I was holding out for this match. I had no grunt of the night earlier on tonight. Mm. I felt sure... Bugger at Helena Cell, the cameramen are in there, we're nice and close, we're gonna get something from the Undertaker. And it's also Revenge Undertaker, which it is. always has a Yeah. Not a fucking peep. So I didn't get a single grunt tonight. So if oh, I could I've got one. If you got one. I've got one. Oh Billy! Oh Hang thank God. Oh. Hang on, Billy with the assist. This is basically like in Streets of Rage, Adam is like really outnumbered, and then Billy comes in a yeah I mean <laughs> what what I came with is to sort of to try and make good. I was like, Oh yeah, I I missed your birthday, but I got something now to make up for it. I was gonna bring you I've got a great grunt from a completely different event where Undertaker gets hit in the ball. That's <laughs> not the format. Oh, can we we just not play because I really want everyone to hear the ladies and gentlemen I hate to say it there but I think we may be going off script as it were <laughs> Billy you got a little grunt for us in this match yeah I do I, uh, and Adam are you, sorry just so we get this now this is, this is a formal process folks they don't need to, to, to labour points but Adam do you accept the grunt that has been bequeathed to you by Billy Keeble I need to hear this grunt first before okay. I can... I need to know okay. what the context is and I'll okay. let you know if it's allowed in. Now, I'll ask you both again and then we can lock it in, okay? okay. But we'll all turn our keys. Okay. Okay, so it's, it's, so it's your, your grunt's up on the roof. We'll, we'll come to that in a little bit yeah. then, yeah? Fine by me. Sean gets whipped around in the ropes a lot and basically just gets clobbered. Every time he makes even a remote bit of retaliation, yeah. Taker just mows him back first, down again. First, like, ten minutes of this is Sean getting thrown around. Yeah. And the omen for this match, which is seeing in the background a cameraman bumping into another cameraman yeah but lad you've no idea <laughs> only a little space to work with here guys I love that Taker deliver runs after Sean as well he's just walking yeah, yeah he's just stalking him because Sean's got nowhere to hide it's very outlast yeah 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 absolutely he, he reminds me of like Resident Evil 2 like Mr. X or something mm. like that he's just yeah. constantly there Sean even when Sean gets a bit in he'll rake the eyes he'll get him with a with a weapon he runs out the Taker's just still walking like and I love that they tore the entire outside of the ring walk around the cell Taker just keeps slamming Sean into it oh did you get the bit where he does the Sean got the big back body drop and his feet hit the cage yes oh my god yeah. really this puts over considering it's the first time in the cell they make such good usage of the fact that they are surrounded by yeah. a cage like eventually Sean does manage to get in some shots and he creates a little bit of distance between the two of them and then what he does is he fucking climbs the cell interior and does an elbow drop off the inside of the cell and that is nowhere near done enough like considering we have cells like three matches a year now whatever it is I don't see enough people using the inside walls of the cell like that I mean, I do like any time wrestlers climb up the cage to hide away because it's paying homage to, to the great classic which you can hear a commentary on as Spider-Man brackets Sam Raimi. What are you doing up there? What are you doing up there? Staying away from you! 
Hey, freak show, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of SummerSlam chat, and I kind of really appreciate the longevity of the storyline where they're saying this all started because of SummerSlam. Sean, he just couldn't keep his ego at the door. And we're going, you know, yeah, it's two pay-per-views. It's not hardly a fucking lifetime, but you don't even get that from the week previous oftentimes in the wrestling these days. So Sean's back in charge now and he clobbers Taker with the steel steps and then fucking pile drivers him onto the stairs. The best thing is he pile drives him straight on the stairs and the cameraman's like really close like, oh, look at that. And Sean instantly like, fuck off. (laughs) Right in the guy's face. The noise just there of of Undertaker getting the pile driver onto his head just goes, it's so fucking horrible. It's nasty, that spot. I like the fact that Sean got him up there for it. That's pretty damn impressive. Not an easy thing yeah, to pile around someone safely. Sean brings in a brown, which as we know means ground type chair, and clobbers Undertaker with that over the back some more. What type of Pokemon is Undertaker? Psychic, I'm assuming. Or dark. dark yeah, dark, dark ghost. ghost yeah. Dark ghost type. Sean gets flipped over the ropes by Undertaker and he lands on a cameraman who Sean is like, well, fuck you and beats the shit out of yeah. him for being in his way. A suspiciously buff cameraman. Yeah, I was going to say, because. A big fella. Well, if you realise. Like, because he probably was like, oh, Sean, this match with the cameraman. And I was like, I've seen this match a few times before. And, you know, there's a great Botchamania where they recap, like, all of Sean's cameraman problems that he mm-hmm. has in this and other matches. But what I didn't notice was that, yeah, he was a buff cameraman. The cameraman that he gets in the way of, and then he actually strikes and he starts kicking. And they on commentary, they're like, what do you know, Sean? Yeah. No, they're like, you can't do it. He's not even like, and they're like, can we get one of the WF photographers over there to get, the, you know, they're yeah. like, this isn't even mm. like someone with us. Like, please, no. But then, obviously, him being taken out is what opens the door, which gets them outside. Exactly. And then I found myself, and I love when wrestling matches make me do this, I found myself going, wait, is all of Sean's aggro with all the refs in this match leading up to this moment here, yes. which makes you think, oh, it's boiled over? Or is it just that Sean did get pissed off with the referees, and then this is just a spot that was already built in, and he just got pissed off with the referee anyway? Like, that's what I love about shit like this, when the personalities of the people is so complicated, and the politics is so weird, that you don't actually know mm. why what's happening is happening. Yeah. It makes wrestling very fascinating, really, when you it think does. about it. <laughs> So the cameraman is literally, like, dead. I've not seen anyone sell this yeah. extended, like, if he's being a limp body. Sergeant Slaughter and the gang come out and open the door to drag his body away. While they're faffing around with the cameraman, Sean hits a sweet chin music on Undertaker, who immediately yes. sits up. <laughs> I love that yeah, so no. much. Here's the thing, right? Michael's selling this, and he's making Taker seem like the most powerful man in the world. And I just kind of thought and realised, because it's the Undertaker, and it's not, like, an old Hulk Hogan from Hogan no. Knows Best... But, like, I swear, he's, like, 70% of, like, the Hogan salad here. Like, he's flipping, he's flying. That's it. They do the exact spot where Sean is laid across the top rope and Undertaker boots him and he goes up. When he did that to Hulk Hogan, it's like, Jesus Christ, that looks ridiculous. But here, I actually kind of buy it. There's like, a few of the times where he does a thing where he takes the bump to the ground and he face plants and he gets up and he falls yeah. again. And I think it's literally because it's Taker in this environment, it's, like, whoa, yeah. how powerful is the dead mm. man? But because it was Hogan then, it's, like... What are you doing, Sean? I think that was Sean's point yeah. almost, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a difference as well as like he's doing that. He gets on with the Undertaker. You know, this is this is this is consensual. While the, while the other time with, with Hogan, it's politicking. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So going to the outside, which is I don't know if you guys knew that we had outside roof no. off the no, cage. No, I wasn't expecting that. And it's so interesting about this because like 
this match has so many big spots. This match 100% gets overshadowed like, immediately by the fan base because of what happens with Mankind. Mm-hmm. This, this, but that's this strange I- though because I remember in the Mankind one when they go up on top that they all act like this is unprecedented. Yeah, they they like, started it on top. That's why it was That was unprecedented. Yeah. But I think it's really interesting the fact that like you know, my brother and his friends, and they introduced me to wrestling. Like one of the first things I said I saw was was Foley handling Cell, and I was like, "Is there any other?" I was like, yeah, there's this one, but like, and like they showed me like it was on some video package. It's like, look, he only falls from like halfway. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you might as well have done it all then. Bullshit. So, and it is like it's so funny how like fans will immediately just like rank things like that because yeah. you're you're just tuned to like bigger is better, yep. you know. But what is interesting is the fact that here you've got this hell in the cell. I think a fan would even dare to dream like Mick Foley in this environment because he's been do- soft dude love for like three months mm. now, and you're not thinking like. Like, I don't think, oh man, imagine Foley in here. Because, like, what's he going to do? Dance with some babes? Or, <laughs> you know? So, Sean immediately, when he sees the doors open with Sergeant Slaughter and Co., he immediately bolts for it and makes his way outside. Oh, this sequence here is fucking horrifying. Undertaker follows him and catapults him directly into the cell wall. Four three times. times. Three times. Yeah, three times. Ooh. And Sean blades on the first one. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, literally the first go of it. So I was like, oh, that's that bit then. But no, we keep going. He does it over and over and over to him. Shawn Michaels. He's one of those people that he can bleed in this extreme level. Yeah. Like yeah. high and above anything else. And it's like, like, like not the Eddie Guerrero accidental blood. It's like he can do this. I think Triple H and Flair also are masters at doing this. Of like having the blood that's just a the little mask. too much. Yeah. But it's a mask. Yeah. And we don't see a lot of blood in 97. Not really. Not no. really. Even though we're very salty for the most part. We yeah. don't see a lot of blood. And this and is the, quite a shocking image. And the crowd lose their minds. Yes. Any apologies we pick up for this? Apologies? Well, think about Vince McMahon. You know, WrestleMania 13, we were fucking apologising every true, word. That's true, yeah. No, I didn't hear a peep. No. How, how much has changed? In fairness, he had fucking Taker blading on Raw before no one, this. Yeah. Like, no one cares anymore, I guess. There, there's less apologies now. We got apologies for bullshit. Yeah. But I think they're comfortable now wearing the big boy pants say, we're, we're going to be violent. Yes. You're not making a hell of a sound unless you're planning to be a violent company. Sean kicks Undertaker in the balls and Taker doesn't make a peep. It's At that point I realised, okay, we're just not getting a fucking grunt from Undertaker tonight. Like, That's what you want is the big... <laughs> Nothing. Sean climbs up top and Undertaker immediately follows him. Oh, this is brilliant. I mean, Michaels is like crawling along the top of the cell. Did you catch up with the cameraman? That's uh... my grunt of the night. Oh, <laughs> oh, in that case, I did catch this then. Ah, That's right. what I think it is. Yes, so the cameraman, so he's directly below Sean as he's lying face down on the roof of the cage. Blood starts dripping on the camera lens. Yeah. Then I think some blood may or may not have gone in the cameraman's mouth. Yeah. Because he goes, ah, ah, shit. Shit. (laughs) It's a big shit. Yeah. Michael's face. Ah, shit. Now, I will say the only reason I didn't classify that as a grunt of the night is because I, t- I tend to go with actual words not being yeah. considered grunts. Ah. Well, you have gone for the shit before. That was a, that was because someone was straining to lift someone up. Yeah. So that was a, that like, started from shit and became a shit. Yeah. Mm. I think this is more just a reaction in general. That'd yeah. be like saying using the fucking ropes. I couldn't class that as a grunt of the night, unfortunately. Get a big press slam on the roof, which even though I know... I've not seen this match before, but I know that if Sean went through the roof of the cell, I would have heard about it. Mm. Even so, I was still scared he was going to go through yeah. the roof from that slam. What do you think to the cell being reinforced in any place there could be a malfunction? 
Um, okay. <laughs> it looks pretty whatever. springy. Yeah, it doesn't look that reinforced no. to me. No, but... it was scary up there. Yeah. Like, how you as the... Like, whatever Mick Foley kind of go, like, oh, I've seen that, I reckon I can do it. Undertaker was up there. Mm. How did he not think, no. Because yeah. it's, it's not it's not full-on tearing like he did with Taker and Foley. No. I know Michaels is obviously lighter than Foley is, but even still... There's a lot of give. It's a fucking bad, bad stay up there. It's mm. so fucking dangerous. From that press slam, Sean rolls over to the edge of the cage and like he immediately starts yeah. trying to make his escape now by climbing back down. He's climbing down and he's got his fingers on the top there. Undertaker comes over, just fucking stamps on his fingers and Sean drops off and goes right through the announce table in what is a horrific fall. Like Here's something I'm wondering now. You know, uh, Is it safe to say that you guys both take her this season... He's kind of doing a bit better than he would have this say, season. This season, I like take him more than any other season. Yeah, because yes. season three it was muscled up statues, bod taker, yeah, which yeah. we weren't a big fan of. Season two was taker caught in an infinite loop, fighting his arch nemesis Triple H in, uh, in cells and otherwise. And season one we had all sorts of ups yeah. and downs of taker. But I was just wondering, like, as it pertains to looking at some of the season one stuff, like yourselves, like just in the future, is the fact that seeing this run with Taker where he's put over as being such a badass like the fucking total man and not just that like the fact here like you said he just stamps on Michael's feet and throws him off or like when Foley's on the side he just grabs him and fucks him off yeah. the fact that he's just like unlike anyone else has this killer instinct in wrestling do you think that having not had this year beforehand that that made you guys think that Taker was just this kind of guy who was a bit puffed up for his own good Maybe, but like, I, how, how has this changed your overall impressions of Undertaker, or is it just good for '97? I think it's just good for '97. Yeah, agree. <laughs> because there are still many bits on Raw where I'm like, "This is silly." Like, I'm, I'm Und- trying, guys. Or- Undertaker with eyeliner on and a load of candles, talking about his hurt feelings. Like, there's still plenty of silly, over-the-top, gothic moments. It's just that I think maybe getting to see him in ring have a bit more of a mean streak, yeah. especially when it's with a little piss ant like Shawn Michaels that yeah. you want to see get destroyed. <laughs> he's not like, riding around on a shitty bike with shitty music, you know. He's yeah. not had any chew all season, yeah. like. So Shawn has fallen off. He's soaked in blood, and you think that's got to be it. And then they're right back in the ring. Yeah, yeah Taker drags him back inside the cage again, back Sh- into the ring. Shawn is, I think, the best term for it is gushing blood. Yeah, he is, and he's limp. Like, yeah. he's totally lifeless. He's completely fucking ragdolling at this point. The super duper choke slam Off the top row. Where Michaels is literally, he, he reacts like he's a plastic bag being swung around yeah. in the wind. It's amazing. He's like. completely helpless at this point. And it's like, well, Sean is fucked. Taker is just having his way now. Yeah. And now like, Taker wants to make the big payback because he's been hitting the head with a chair. And I'll tell you what, lads. Nothing worse in the world than an Undertaker chair shot. And I will say, they have edited out some of the more salacious commentary on this. Have they really? I have this match originally because I had the Undertaker uh, tombstone collection or whatever it was from back in the day. And each disc was a different Undertaker. It was pretty cool. And, uh, no, it wasn't pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) But in that, like, that version of it, the original version, it's like, that brain scrambling, like, you know, Mm. Shawn Michaels is going to be a different person. His personality will be changed from that chair shot. It's like, really, we've talked before about the salacious chat. They don't seem to get rid of it on SmackDown Crawl, which we've talked about on Patreon. But yeah, bad blood because it's like it's the five star match, it's the well regarded people one. will watch it. Like. Yeah, and, but I will say as well, it's not been edited out in a way where you're like, why is no one talking? Oh, I didn't like, no, yeah, I didn't know. No, that stuff wasn't missing. They did a good job. It is a hideous chair shot. Like. I mean, in all intents and purposes, 
verbiage or otherwise to, to be correct uh, it is a brain scrambling chair shot and Sean is down he's completely fucked JR's saying oh you think it's got to be time for the tombstone and then what do we get lights out all the lights in the arena go completely off and we get that fucking organ music kick up for the first time ever. There's something about hearing that organ music and going, what the heck is this? Yeah, what's this all about? Like, it's the most recognisable thing in wrestling. It is now, yeah. And now let's take a deep journey into darkness. Adam, I want the jids and I want it fucking yesterday. Guys... It's been a bit of a dark-sided episode. There's been a lot of heavy talk here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try, and this is very self-indulgent for me. I don't give a fuck if anyone else enjoys this. Own heart over here having yeah. fun in this match. Like. I'm, I'm just going to read out a nice big chunk here. We can really get a good measure of what happens here. He stopped watching the action long enough to take the measure of the crowd and realized that his brother was the crowd favorite. <laughs> the thought made him see red, and he actually started punching the concrete wall by the entranceway. Do you think it made him see red, though, because of all the red lights that were in the for when he comes out. That was caused by Kane seeing her. Ah, I see. Two men walking past turned and looked at him. He ripped off the hood on his head to reveal the death mask beneath, and their eyes widened and they hurried away as fast as they could go. And those two men were? Chicken shit cowards. He smiled and flexed beneath the robe. Soon, <laughs> his chance would come soon. <laughs> Kane being all sexy, like flexing up. What I'd like now is for all these St. Louis sweat hogs to sit down and shut up. Bearer's eyes went to Kane an aisle away, and he saw that the robe was coming off. He, s- <laughs> he, he smiled Billy, in I've satisfaction. Billy, I've got to touch the, the vapors no, here no, no. now. How are you? He smiled in satisfaction. Everything was going exactly according to plan. Oh, and this sounds like we're getting to a sex scene, Adam. Adam, did you accidentally print off that fan fiction on uh, Tumblr again? Uh, yeah, Is this uh, Fifty Shades of Jid? <laughs> Fifty Shades of Kane, mate. Come on. <laughs> Katie Vick, Jarvis Vick, Susanna Kane, Randall Calloway. Kane mumbled the names to himself. Gene Snitsky. I thought thought for a second then that Kane Mumble was another person. (laughs) You guys aren't taking this seriously. I'm trying to fucking read a story here. There's all these interruptions. Kane mumbled the names to himself, even as the crowd around him was still chanting for Undertaker, chanting for the tombstone, chanting for the end of the match, the dead man's ascension once more to the very throne of professional wrestling's kingdom. Sorry, I think literally saying the crowd were like, end of the match, end of the match. <laughs> he caught Bearer's eye. It was time. Undertaker! Kane yelled, and at that moment, the lights in the arena faded to black. In the cage, about to deliver the- yell? No, but that's well, because you didn't see what was going on at Gorilla Position, mate. Oh, so he just stood there and he just shouted at them. Just don't just, argue with the facts. He was shouting at a black curtain. In the cage, about to deliver the finishing blow to his opponent, Undertaker stopped and frowned. What was the matter with the lights? <laughs> Where were the lights? <laughs> then an organ began to play, and a murmur spread through the crowd. A murmur consisting of a single name. Kane. No, it didn't. Undertaker turned and saw his fate coming down the aisle, walking towards him. Kane reached for the door to the cage and ripped it off. He didn't know his own strength, he supposed. <laughs> Studying. So the- what, he didn't reckon he could actually... Other- I'll give it a whirl. Oh, I can, like. <laughs> Studying the broken hinge for a second before stepping inside. And then at last, he was face to face with his brother. It was Glenn. Mark knew that in an instant. The eyes. Even behind the mask, he could see them. One brown, one blue. How this was possible, he didn't know. And then we get the big stare down. Undertaker sells it really well, I gotta say. Oh, yeah, yeah. G- generally, like, it's the first time I've seen Undertaker looks like, 
scared or, or sort of stunned. Yeah, concerned. Or stunned. Like stunned. Yeah. Because he knows that what's going to happen ain't just a beaten. It's like it's a complicated shit. And also as well, if you truly believe in kayfabe as well, yeah, this is Undertaker looking going, uh oh. People are going to find out that I kill my parents and try to kill my brother. I did actually do that. The jit is up, like. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm in full-on Mark mode, like, oh, for fuck's <laughs> The jit is up is incredible. Come on, Give <laughs> my five-alarm jit joke. Try and win me back over when you've just been pissing all over the sacred texts here. Like. And you've just been jizzing all over, all over this. The last time I try and share my story with you boys, oh, I'm taking it seriously. There'll be more, surely. Now, this, I was in full-on marking out mode. This is it. This is the coronation, the arrival of my boy. I didn't know about this. I knew that he did the pyro, but Kane, staring Undertaker dead in the eye, raises his arms up, brings them down. <laughs> the saddest little... <laughs> the best thing is when it goes, everyone in the audience goes, Ooh! Oh, that's all right, isn't it? Gosh, a nice new firework! There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. <laughs> There was no kaboom. Yeah, yeah, Cadence coming out. Perhaps you're here in St. Louis with an old flame or a new spark. <laughs> Hit the tombstone or you'll be fired. <laughs> and the then tombstone he hits though, Adam. Fuck me. He picks up Undertaker for the tombstone. And Deadlift. Ha having read Mayor Kane now, he, he like circles around like three times and like having read the biography, he's literally looking for the hard camera. Mm. Like, am I over here? Am I on? Am Instead, it makes him look like he's more powerful than the Undertaker because he deadlifts Undertaker. Taker's arms are kind of slack and he moves around. It's like, shit, this is like, he's doing his move but better. And then he fucking drives him down into the mat. <laughs> like, it's fucking grotesque. Job of the commentators here. I mean, obviously the line, that's gotta be Kane. We've talked about it a million times, yeah. but everyone has done an excellent job here. Absolutely. Yeah. They hit it out of the park with this. And WWE so rarely has a long-term concept that goes from storyboard to casting to implementation. Execution. You know, the teasing for months mm -hmm. involving all different people, weaving it in and out of angles. And I gotta think, having watched... A lot of wrestling in my time. There's been times where it's like, holy shit, we just happened to catch the sense of the mood at the moment and something brilliant has happened from us. Yeah. The pipe bomb is a good example of yeah, that, yeah. you know? But this is like, in terms of, like, if they said, if you told me they sat down for seven months and they planned the pipe bomb and then they executed it, I would have been like, wow. But this is somehow even more impressive. Yes. Because it's a new character. It sets up so much. It gives Bear a new purpose. It gives Taker a new purpose. It puts over the Hell in the Cell this unpredictable thing. It gives Shawn Michaels an out for him to slither away. Taker gets his revenge. Michaels gets to get by the skin of his teeth. We've got this mysterious and ominous new character. You just know that he's bigger than The Undertaker. He's his younger brother. And he looks like nothing you've ever seen in wrestling. Yeah. And yeah, is the Kane costume as like on point as it becomes in a year or two? No, probably not. Has Glenn got all the beats down perfectly and all the mannerisms? No, but he learns quick. And yeah. mm. I don't know about you guys, but I can't wait to fucking watch some Kane on Raw. Yes. Holy shit. How did Kane's big reveal take you in terms of how it fit in the match and everything, Bill? I think it was really well done. Yeah. Like the whole this whole match was great storytelling. Was this your favourite Undertaker match? No. Oh, what's your favourite one then? I think my favourite one is still against Triple H in the in the Hell in a Cell. Oh of course. Yeah. I yes. think I think this is a close second. This is such a good match and it's aged spectacularly. Really well. Yeah. Certain things don't get old and lots of spots in the Hell in the Cell do get old, particularly the spots that tended to then be like just 
what's the hardcore spot in 2005? Yeah. Let's do that. Th- you this, know? Is, this is better than uh, Taker versus Foley. Oh, yeah. I yes, mean, as, a, as an actual match, yes. you know, that's a spectacle. That's a moment. And then the curtain came back. There, yeah. there was Mick Foley, the master, you know. <laughs> you know, then he became mankind. No, it's just that that's a different it's comparing these two. Mm. I think Foley ensured, I think he said as much, like he was worried about the comparisons between the two matches, and he knew he's not Shawn Michaels, and he, I think he ensured by doing what he did, it would always be remembered, but it would never be in the conversation of which match is better. But I don't think yeah. anyone ever wants to make that comparison. Because no. one's a stunt and a series of incredibly death-defying moments that then happen and it's a you know a testament to someone's I mean that's close to a double turn that you get when someone yeah. starts getting a reaction there's your double turn in 98 I guess but yeah this was fucking masterpiece great match the fact that it has one of the best debuts and the culmination of one of the best ideas that we have ever had you get Jim Cornette, Vince McMahon, Jim Ross, Vince Russo, all, Bruce Pritchard, all these big names and big minds in wrestling and the best thing that they can come up with together taken from Russo's love of the silly and the weird and the sci-fi and then you've got Cornette who knows how to build up a character from the old days and then you got Pritchard and Vince who've got the very defined idea of what this character needs to be in their universe and then you got Jim Ross who's found the perfect fucking guy yeah. who he knows he can trust with Glenn Kane you know, Mayor Kane, we've just done two parts of his autobiography, and whatever about his politics or otherwise, he's one of the most level headed, well adjusted men in the history of Legit. wrestling. This is five stars out of the park, not just a match, concept. Yes, like. the whole damn thing is perfect. And I will say, Kane's debut and the you know, this coming off as it did, I think it almost the shining star of that dwarfs this excellent match. This is a great match, but it's just a great match. Like, a you know, great mm. match ends a little a little fun feud that's been going for two months. The Kane thing is just, it's so huge. It yeah. cannot be mm. said it's another level. huge is next level. How was it for you, Adam? It, it Honestly, I had a lot of expectations because I've heard about this being one of the best Hell in a Cell matches ever. It's one of Dave Meltzer's few five stars that he gave in the WWE. I heard a lot of hype and obviously it's the arrival of like my fucking favourite character yeah. ever. So it had a lot to live up to and I thought it was fucking incredible taking away my excitement for Kane just seeing Undertaker beating the fuck out of Sean for yeah. like, like Sean and even when he was back in control it was a very believable and yeah. great story yeah. like the whole thing start to finish was so well done like, okay you could show this to someone who'd never seen wrestling before and they could understand the appeal like outright they could follow every beat of the story that's yeah. happening like it's all told through the physicality in the ring you yeah. wouldn't need anything other than he hates him and he's much stronger than him that's Legit. all you need yeah. it's, it's like literally what triple h described in tough enough about like you telling a story with your body yes yeah, that's is it is yeah perfect example of that like i will say one little thing i picked up on that i've seen this many times before but this time i forgot that the first thing that kane does when he opens the door is to attack a senior referee earl hebner a free market economy only works if we play by the rules! <laughs> <laughs> right, now, before we can go any further, we need to know what happens next, obviously. Obviously. We've got a little bit more bonus jid here, guys. Yay! We're going to refer to exactly what happened. Jeez, you got a bit more jid left in you! A little more jid directly after the match. Limitless. Look, just please, just literally, just please take this seriously, all right? Okay. I know it's, you like Adam, to have I a bit know of fun. it's they're going to celebrate by eating ice cream in a hotel room. Look, no. Like, that's Billy. what this is going to end up being. You don't know, there could be chemicals. <laughs> there could be right, chemicals. you might have preconceived notions about what this book is, but you guys know how much Kane means to me, how much this book means to me. How much Michael Chiapetta means to you. I would genuinely appreciate it if you just took this next bit just a little bit more serious. Okay, I'm okay. sorry. I'm, I'm right. really sorry. We, okay. won't, we won't zing you, okay? Thank you. 
Afterward, backstage, Bearer munched thoughtfully on an ice cream cone. <laughs> no, no, now come on. <laughs> come on. No, 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 Spilly, no, go on. Yeah. Be good, be good, be good. Kane, as usual, had a Gatorade. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you wondered where we're going to before Survivor Series. <laughs> the first stop on the road to Survivor Series in Montreal. Kane, as usual, had a Gatorade, though of course it was more than a Gatorade. It was an antidote of sorts, a way for the man and his nervous system to throttle down, which he clearly needed. Oh, wait, sorry, you said that he's like laced it with something. Oh, everything's laced in this fucking book. I mean, Bearer insists on him drinking, the bottle looked like a Dixie cup in his massive paw, apparently. Undertaker came backstage. Bearer says he's a liar. I'm going to kill you, Kane said again, staring straight at Mark. I'm going to crush your bones and make them into soup. Barry ignored him and turned to Glenn. Drink your Gatorade, please. <laughs> this drink isn't over Gatorade. yet. I'll make you drink my soup, lad. <laughs> this isn't over yet, Mark said. Soup, Kane said. <laughs> With a last angry glance at Bearer, Undertaker spun on his heel and left the room so quickly that the security guards all jumped. Oh Gonna kill God. him, Kane said again, watching his brother leave. Soup. <laughs> and if that's not a great way to end off the uh, the uh, debut of my favourite character of all time, then I don't know what it is. Well, it's pretty interesting because after this, I am going to go and crush up some bones and make some soup. Oh but, yeah, uh, you know I've got some in the freezer that nice. I've and so yeah, I'm going to take a journey into darkness of my own. My God, I, I honestly I feel I'm I'm exhausted now. This show mm. pulled me in ninety directions. I feel there was stuff that was like bad, but I feel like. Criticizing it for being bad is unfair because these were people who had been through a, a bereavement yeah. and the emotion of what had happened. And yes, they were scrambling, as they said. A lot of stuff was bad because it was like short notice, like the DOA stuff. And then there was stuff that was just bad, was going to be bad whether or not, you know, anything happened at the start of the day. And then you have like two of the greatest things in the history of wrestling. Any mm -hmm. company, any time, like two of the best things. Best match, best like, segment. So, I don't know what the fuck I think about Bad Blood, folks, to be honest. Yeah, yeah seriously, there's a lot to consider. I mean, I watched this in loads, of, I watched this in like probably five or six sittings. Mm. Did either of you guys watch it in one chunk, or at least big chunks? I watched it in two halves. Yeah, yeah two and halves like, for me. How did it flow for you? That like, first half was a fucking chore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so was most of the second half. This is a one-match show. Yeah, I Pretty think much. so. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of stupid to ask for a match of the night because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. hey, we're all max mini-marks, but I think that match did under-deliver. Yeah. We're, we're, we're all clearly was. going takes and HB cakes. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, yeah. that is the undeniable match of the night, and I would probably go as far to say it's matched the whole goddamn season so far. Yeah, yeah. agreed. You know, it, it really is close. I would say it almost ekes out the, the Brett Austin thing. Just because Brett Austin... It's just like people say, and then you've got this great storyline. That doesn't happen no. then, you know? This does happen then. I feel like that was a match that we had all those expectations and significance put on it, and it couldn't live up to that. I feel like this had just as much expectation and significance, and it even exceeded it, in my opinion. Like, <laughs> like most things in the Attitude Era, this happened like they say it Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People aren't misremembering the retcon in this. Like. Yeah, no one's been claimed to be the architect of anything here. Like, so what yeah. about MVPs then? Because I'm going to say Undertaker, I think. I think that, like, both guys delivered excellently in that match, but I feel like Undertaker really got across, like, the sort of... the satisfaction at getting his revenge. Yep. He put over Kane so well with those yep. facials, yep. like... And we didn't mention this, but when Kane gives him that big tombstone, Undertaker is dead. Earl Hebner comes in, Shaw makes the cover, and Earl does the proper big... One... Two... Like, so, yeah, give him Taker a kick sells time, yeah. that 
big ass tombstone and makes Kane look like untouchable. It's difficult for me because I, I want to give it to Shawn Michaels in in a sense because him. I felt that you know his selling of the structure, its height, its inescapability, its brutality when he was thrown into it, his fear of all aspects of being trapped and it being used against him. You know, yes, I know Taker took a lot of relish in his revenge. I felt that Taker could have put across the performance that he gave here in any match that had a bit of a gimmick. Whereas Sean made this, like, made you excited about the Hound in the Cell and made you, made the mind start thinking about who do you want to see in here. Yes. Who, who, like, it, he was immediately saying this is the ultimate punishment for the ultimate heel. Yeah. And you can already see, like, loads of people you want to start thinking about putting in there yeah. what's going to happen. That being said, Shawn Michaels, like, crappy promo yeah. his disregard for the both the European belt and also for like his own character makes it difficult to recommend it so I'm probably going to say Kane who we know that mm. all of this was like literally like you know this could have been a shockmaster. yeah you yeah, know, right been. it's yeah, so close to you got a guy with poor vision big guy well respected well liked but it's got a gimmick that he's not sure about it's new no one's ever done this before and it is most definitely someone else's idea by committee mm -hmm. and it could have been a horrible but Kane you know it says a lot that Kane is still coming out to mostly the same thing 23 years later yeah because it got know? off such a perfect start it's, it's perfect so good job Glenn Jacobs Billy uh, MVP Sean John, uh, yeah. for the exact reasons that you said, I don't care that much about the European title. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't watch one night only, so I didn't see the slap in the face. I didn't. Mm. So I was just taking this on face value. You know, are Sean's personal demons as prevalent and intrusive as they seem to be at the first half of this season? No, because it seems like even though he's much more of a dickhead and more abrasive. I'm getting much less sweaty promos, he seems breathless more promos. In his own skin. Yeah, yeah, and obviously, Michael's. We've got some big shit coming up now with him and yep. Brett. Next episode is going to be about Montreal. I'm not going to lie, right? With regards to the next episode, everyone and their mother has talked about Montreal. Is yep. it shoe? Is it a work? I'm not entirely decided how we're going to cover it. But I am by no means intense of purposes, as with any of this season, I don't want any of this to be like, this is like a fucking document about everything that exactly happened and yeah. all that. This is not going to be like the New Generation podcast, it's like a multiple part, in-depth, like blow by blow, second by second, who did what, who said mm -hmm. what, who did that. We've already done a commentary track for Wrestling with Shadows. We've already had Adam on for How to Wrestling, where we did an episode about Bret Hart. So a lot of this has been talked about. We will obviously talk about the screw job, its connotations and all that, but if you're expecting it to be its own like big fucking spin-off episode and we're gonna do conspiracy theories, everyone here believes the Montreal screw job was not a work. We're not gonna yeah. we're not gonna talk about it otherwise. And I would just say, like, I'm not gonna spend hours and hours and hours doing something I think has been done to an excellent standard. Exactly. You know, and you, look Here's the thing with wrestling podcasts right now. You can pick a big moment like that and pick your flavor, how you want it to be presented. Mm -hmm. We'll do it our way, but our way is not going to be this like fucking blow for blow historical no. documents. That's not what we're about this season. Um, imagine if we just said, uh, and then the match ended, and then uh, we just go to the goodbyes. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then just Brett completely ignored. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, take out complete value of what the company said. Brett happened. submitted. Brett, yeah, Brett submitted uh, the match ends. So. Very strange. Uh, yeah, Brett was going to match the night before. He just kind of you know, had that really aggressive mime routine at the end that no one seemed to really enjoy so well everyone that is it it's obviously an episode I've been dreading and one that I'm, I'm glad we've gotten through with smiles yeah. in our faces at the end because 
This was a tough one. Thanks for sticking with us throughout bad blood. And as always, if you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, leave us an old rating or review. Hit that subscribe button. Get access to all episodes as they come out. And of course, if you are looking always for anyone to recommend the Attitude Podcast to, we always appreciate recommendations. If you see someone, bigwig or otherwise, on Twitter or Facebook asking for recommendations, send them Kevin, Adam, and Billy's way. Head on over to facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast and you will find a whole catalogue library of our video content. You'll see loads of little clips of classic moments from old episodes of the podcast as well as new ones. And you'll see little previews of our exclusive Patreon content audio and video wise. If you want to get yourself a look at that Patreon content before you decide to support the Attitude Era Podcast for as little as $5 a month, you can of course access a free episode of our video series Gamesmanship on YouTube by searching for Photo Slam. You can also get access Access to some free episodes of the Bibliotech, the book report series, um, loads of in-depth discussions about wrestling, biographies, and books. And there's also some free samples of the SmackDown Crawl. If you become even a $5 backer, you get access to two pieces of fresh big league content coming your way each and every month, as well as Q&As and commentary tracks now available exclusively from patreon.com forward slash podcast. We are 100% fan and listener supported. You've not got plugs breaking up the action every 15 minutes, and any plugs we have are from our fans, and that is entirely because of the support of our backers at patreon.com slash podcast. And hey, if you want to get yourself a nice t-shirt, they're available now, variety of sizes, styles, and materials worldwide. Teespring.com forward slash podcast. And if you rate, like, stuff and things, head on over to MatthewsBotchamania.com. Stuff, things, electricity. Electricity. Until we next step behind the curtain. <laughs> it's going to be a goodbye for me, Captain Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy Beefheart. And we'll see you next time on the Attitude Podcast. Oh my god, that takes it saying Are you alright? Someone get this man a big glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it now, but Jesus, I don't know if I want to like. <laughs> 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 <laughs>